when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It's July 28th, 2022, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 497. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Patrick Klepek. Hello. Renata Price. Patty. Kato's currently somewhere. Uh, Not publishing the podcast. No. No. Had to find someone else, just wandering around the vice offices with a bunch of wave files. Hey, hey, can you you, you turn this into a show? You good... you good at the um, like the editing stuff, the the, the premiere. I just hope that people um, after we had that uh, conversation uh, some months back about the Flaming Lips album, that actually what you should do for the uh, mm. podcast this week is not listen to this like oh, noise gates and I'm doing fancy stuff with the audios. Actually, just hear these raw wave files, burn these. Yeah. Put them on a bunch of different MP3 players. Uh, well, play a wave file. Yeah. I don't know. Put that around your house, and then sync up with Time Is to see if you can listen to the podcast in real time. See if you can figure out where the mark in the track is, and then get the conversations to line up. It's a fun the adventure. Worst, the worst part of it was when I had to go into the office uh, with bundles of wave files uh, in my arms, and and as I was walking through the office, did trip and knapsack. fall, spilling them everywhere. Oh, that's um, been very comical. It was it was really rough uh, in the middle of the office shouting my wave files. Oh man, and I it was sure just, hope that it was, really, uh, it was tough. I, I I sure hope that road they have running through the middle of the office with the deep puddles. I hope mm-hmm. a car didn't drive through through it uh, as you as you fumbled for your wave files and get you absolutely covered. Rob, I'll be honest, the road in the middle of the office. Yeah, did in fact have a puddle oh, no. next to it, and the, the wave files got all wet. And so the most recent episode sounds a bit weird. It's because the files got all got, got wet. I'm just lucky the pillar didn't bite me again. Yeah, absolutely. You got you to look out for that. That honestly, like now that that has happened, I became keenly aware of like, oh, there's all sorts of slightly scary architecture uh, mm-hmm. in this in this building. Um, almost as if uh, Vice was not meant to inhabit that space. Uh, anyway. Uh, Speaking of things being under construction, I guess, uh, Patrick, today we, we sort of, a story uh, came through Bloomberg, uh, Jason Schreier, he done it again. Uh, we now have some details about GTA 6, which is very funny, um, by the way. He also did the KOTOR we- stuff this week. Yeah, that, that, that also like already happened yesterday. We're like, hey, isn't it a little weird that the company that has built itself on just porting games, old Star Wars games to the Switch, said we're also going to remake one of the most ambitious and beloved RPGs of all time? What what could go what could go wrong? Turns out like many many have gone wrong. <laughs> like, 
Eternally uh, saying they released that game in 2022, and the developers be like, 2025 at best. Like, wow. Like, that is one of the most striking like uh, distances between uh, reality and expectations. But anyway. That is, yes. that is a very failure-to-communicate uh, type issue. I guess that just means, <laughs> I, like... Oh man, my like I'm gonna have to remain spoiler free on the end of Kotor uh, for at least like four more years. Shit, we just we just had that count. I don't know what that game's yeah. coming out, buddy. I, I actually might, think this. is I a, might just have to play Kotor. I think. I, it, I think. Do it. If the the thought is this game is in shambles, um, we don't know when it's gonna come out, and then you just vaguely hear 2025. I think the thought is there is that if you want to play Kotor, just. Go, go who even knows what the world's going to be like in 2025 no! like, gather gather ye jedi we still making uh, games then who knows uh well they'll probably still be making gta they might uh, but by <laughs> might given, not be out given the track record uh but yeah patrick you want to take us through what we what we now seem to know uh, about gta 6 uh, yeah, so uh, as you mentioned there's a report in bloomberg from jason schreier formerly of kotaku um and uh yeah, it's an interesting piece that like kind of delves into what we know about the development history of GTA 6 so far. GTA 6, a, a game that, uh, interestingly, Rockstar, a company that doesn't like to talk about what they're doing. Take-Two, a, a comp- who owns Rockstar, a company that broadly doesn't like to talk about what it's doing because it sort of sells itself as when they arrive, they will be important and they will sell a lot. And that is basically <laughs> kind of true with a lot of the stuff that they do. Um and, like, recently, as they were winding down Red Dead Redemption 2's online updates, like, they're going to do maintenance, but they're not going to be doing, like, broad content updates in the way that they have continued to service GTA Online. Um, they finally had to acknowledge, right, yeah, okay, like, no shit, we're making GTA 6. Um, and, but without any details or, like, a release uh, sort of schedule, just sort of, yes, of course we are making the game that you think we are making because the last game, GTA 5, I believe has sold 165 million copies and is like the second best-selling game of all time. Yes, that is a number. Um, and a lot of that is on the backs of uh, GTA Online, which has been wildly successful um, since that original game's launch. Anyway, um, this piece has a lot of like interesting little anecdotes. You know, like for example, it opens with the cops and crooks, a a, a multiplayer mode for GTA Online that was in development when George Floyd was murdered, and they went. not gonna do that um and that is like as part of a broader as this piece gets into like a newish rock star um uh one in which like by this uh story is painting and i i I, it's given some added credibility given the fact that a lot of the stories on crunch at rockstar and a lot of the culture stories about rockstar have also been written by jason in the past so he seems to have uh a pretty good sense of what that's that company and its organization is like um, but, you know, uh, GTA is a series that's, like, you know, uh, had, like, transphobic and homophobic jokes. It's, like, some of that stuff has been erased out of re-releases. Um, it is a company that uh, was notorious for bragging about crunch. Um, and they appear. this story paints a picture of, like, really wanting to eliminate that. Where people, if you work an extra hour, you gain an extra hour. So if you do put in uh, some sense of overtime, even as they're trying to stamp that out, which is uh, part of the reason this game will come out when it comes out, because they went from wanting to apparently model enormous parts of, like, North and South America, and then went, what if we just do Miami? 
and then make cities later. Um, they're like sending people home on time. Uh, and like there's specifically a quote here that developers are trying to write the game in a way that they are not punching down. Um, and to, to like to illustrate a lot of this is that you know, quoting the report, the uh, GTA Six will include a female protagonist for the first time, according to people familiar with the game. The woman who is Latina, will be uh, one of a pair of leading characters in a story influenced by the bank robbers Bonnie and Clyde, the people said. Developers are uh, also being cautious not to, quote, punch down by making jokes about marginalized groups, the people said, in contrast to previous games. Um, and uh, who's the guy that retired? One of the Hauser brothers, like, left, right? Um, Dan Hauser, yeah. who has been... The Hauser brothers have been, like, the creative leads on these games um, for quite literally decades. Uh, and this one is one where that is uh, no longer the case. Um, so uh, the, 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 it's interesting towards the end of the piece, and then I'll shut up, is that it's there, there are quotes from employees who are like, we don't really know who we work for anymore. This isn't the rock star that <laughs> was like punishing and weird, but you got to work on the biggest games in the world, and so you just would shut up and, and do your job and be thankful for that. Um and there's like kind of this tone of like, what even is a GTA game that is not made under those conditions? Um, and that's a really interesting place to be. Doesn't necessarily suggest there are like no problems making game. All game development like is is going to have issues. But I don't know. It like I don't know. If it left me in the hopeful tone, but it was made me more interested than I was in the past to just see what does Rockstar like. What is what even is GTA Six? Um, and what kind of tone does it take? If if not, oh, and I will say the one one thing they mentioned in here is that uh, now the GTA series claims to satirize America. That is maybe a generous interpretation of the comedic leanings of the GTA series, but in theory, that's what they're going for. And they point out that it's sort of weird to try and satirize America when America itself has become difficult. To, it's satirizing itself in real time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. One of the things that I probably that would have me most excited is just the idea of somebody not the Housers like taking yeah. a swing at one of these crime epics because the problem is like this is not like it's not like oh, I just want to dunk on the Housers like they are not like by and large they were inept at doing pastiches or tributes to the crime films that inspired them. Like GTA was all like was was always kind of like what if an absolute dumbass uh like tried to make the Godfather uh like do a fan tribute to the Godfather. Well, do you think like do you think uh you have a better sense of these like tropes and stories than I do? Uh would it be wrong to say like their asses have been exposed on that very point as the technology has like gotten more advanced and the storytelling has had to take center stage as opposed to the earlier days of a GTA three vice city San Andreas, where there was still sort of an enthrallment with, Hey, these games are taking stories seriously. They're trying to tell jokes. And also the technology, like the open world part of it is just a completely novel. But then the pivot that happens with four specifically is like, Hey, we're also great storytellers. We're not just a bunch of homages to things that we thought were cool, like a Scarface. Yeah, it's it's funny. I think four four for me is kind of the crossover point where 
uh, it is impressive enough what they are doing, and the story is just passable enough that you come away from that feeling like, wow, that was that was a hell of an, an experience. Even though like the satire is, is completely washed uh, by, by by that point, I do still feel like people love the stories of the Red Dead games. Uh, people, I feel like GTA Five has fewer uh, like. Like it has less adoration for the story at all. Like, I do know some people really liked it, but GTA Five, you know, the story of that really is the enduring appeal of GTA Online, right? That like mm-hmm. that's that's the other thing that's flipped here in the last few years is arguably the Hauser's pitch was we're going to make these hugely expensive cinematic epics uh, that, that sort of sell themselves, and now increasingly it's a like MMO theme park almost uh, that they're that, yeah they that scuttled uh, single player DLC for five once online took off to such a degree and even when they've announced right what seemed like pr- there was a pretty major ah uh, what was the rapper I don't know if it was Dre I forget there was some new music produced for 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 GTA five uh, I should not say GTA five it was GTA Online which is connected to GTA five yeah but a lot of people speculate like oh finally we're gonna get some some new uh, missions in in this game. It's like no, actually, the thing they're just building for is in, in many ways you could, you could argue probably what GTA Six is is just building a new template for a GTA Online. So like you get the city, you get the structure, and sure, there's a story here. It'll be important. It'll be great for the trailers uh, that they want you know to sell the game. But if these this game these games are being built in terms of like thinking of it as a decade, it's you're right. It's closer to an MMO in which we are putting down. This is the sequel to GTA Online, and it'll have story, but really, they're just laying the foundations for yeah. an online infrastructure that will live on long past the, the credits rolling. Yeah, I mean, I think the the transition of, even, like, GTA Online, the public consciousness for, like, place where my friends fucked around, uh, and that I would occasionally watch them fuck around in, to, like, one of the most vibrant and, like, consistent online role-playing spaces in the industry has been, like, a, a really fascinating thing to watch. Um, the degrees to which players have organized, like, genuine hierarchies and systems. Oh, and, have like, you not watched some of the, like, the non-Rockstar-sanctioned role-playing servers that people are doing? Like, get, the shit they're getting up to on the PC? Like, it's... You you would be sh- you, shocked to the level of like, what is going on in some of these servers. Uh, uh, and I'd be curious how much of that is, you know, because it's not all sanctioned by Rockstar. It's all just sort of like happening, not quite on the periphery, but it is it is many times like the heart of these communities are these people building out their own role-playing infrastructures that are well beyond just like collecting cars and mm-hmm. going on heists, which I think if you were unfamiliar with GTA Online, you would it, you'd be... I would not be shocked if that was your takeaway of like, yeah, people are just getting online to go shoot each other up. It's like, no, like they're like real cops and like people running like a storefront and like, that's just what they do. And they're talking to each other through voice chat. And it's just, it's, it's something else. Yeah. I think it is a, it's been interesting to see if the series is in some ways, the community has both it's matured and like for me the role-playing scene has like is a is an indication that like the broader space is maturing into something else or if not maturing because that i think that has a bit more of a value judgment 
growing and shifting into something else uh, that I find like really fascinating. Um, I am I am interested in a. I'll be I'll be honest with my history of the series. I never really played GTA Five. My dad was big into GTA Four because he thought the cars were pretty, um, and a version of that series that is actively interested in handing storytelling tools over to people and understands the kind of consequences and implications of handing more storytelling tools over to the players is really compelling to me. Will they do that? Uh, I'm not sure they will do that, but I think because these are the most expensive games around, like, they're doing that even if they're not doing that. So I think they they can be... Go ahead, Rob. Well, sir, that's actually my question is, like, is one of the reasons it's so fucking vibrant is because the company, when they're laying the foundations, doesn't fully understand how it's going to be used. (laughs) Right. And then it kind of ends up in a state of, like, benign neglect where people just, like, because so much is, like, left to the players to define, they end up defining it along a lot of, like, really interesting paths. And I do kind of wonder, will the magic... Like, is it, like, one of those things where the minute Rockstar realizes, like, hey, we can reach for this... It'll mm-hmm. dissolve into a puff of smoke, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, like to 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 a degree, it, like part of it is just it needs to be it, it like it actually does like benefit from being a sandbox for that community, mm-hmm. as opposed to like the minute designers like you are are sitting there thinking about how do we design this, you know, from from the ground up to like really emphasize multiplayer. I do kind of wonder, does it then just become another one of these games? Mm-hmm. I think as long as there's a PC version, like, it'll just work itself <laughs> out. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like, you know, you're even seeing some of this in what's happening with uh, VR chat, like the very popular VR. Go watch the People Make Games video about VR chat if you don't have a sense of it. It's like a Wild West, you know, online chat platform where just copyright infringement doesn't exist. People be having sex. Teenagers be talking. It's just like it's, but it's a re, like when all this conversation about what is a metaverse, and it's like putting aside like whether things like WoW and Roblox mm-hmm. and Minecraft are already doing that. You jump into VR chat and it's like like this is what you're talking about. Like when people are like, I could go be another person in a in a place with just a bunch of tools made by the community to aid what they want to do. Something like VR chat is doing that, and then they've just recently implemented things like anti cheat, which. Yeah. Uh, has a, I think, noble goal of trying to shut down things like keyloggers and other malicious things that are happening in the community is not without merit, but it also immediately broke like a bunch of accessibility tools and a bunch of other things the community had created for itself. And hopefully that'll work itself out. But if it doesn't, what you saw immediately was someone just pop up a VR chat clone on Steam that just started to skyrocket in popularity. And so th- that's like that's what's possible on platforms like the PC where companies can say well we're gonna do this and then it'll be like ah, i don't like we'll just we'll just work around you buddy you just keep building that you spend those tens of millions hundreds of millions of dollars building this sit this really cool looking city with all these tools and then we'll just do what we want with it and i, I think you could see that happening with gta regardless of now maybe it raises the floor for people who are not in the you know what would be nice is that if there's a little bit what ren's talking about happens where hey what are people doing in these communities that we want nothing to do with. And the average person is not going to want to have that level of role-playing. They're going to want more authorship and more sort of like the, uh, like designer intent like around their experience. But you would hope that maybe 
like, hey, if this has been one of the reasons GTA Online has continued to be successful, beyond people just liking to sign on and collect the cars and just, like, it's a it's a hangout place. Like, I don't want to take that away from why that world has been successful, but maybe they're able to take lessons from those communities and bring that into the, like, the basic experience that, you know, 100 million people will mm-hmm. will experience when they, when they buy this game in, in, in its first couple of years. I don't know, but... But you're right that it's a balancing act because that's a that's frequently they t- take the wrong lessons um, or don't quite understand what the appeal actually is uh, or just in the process of having to formulate it into a like how do we present this in a PowerPoint and then give it to designers and has to discreetly be put in like broken down into rules uh, that's like a tough process to do um, you know when making a game of this scale. Mm-hmm. Ren when. Uh... VR chat came up. It looks like you had something. Oh yeah, I was just thinking about the ways in which, like, it it is worth noting that like the thing it it, it breaks the thing that they did recently with the the anti cheat broke accessibility tools, but like le- effectively the majority of tools people implemented implemented like custom rigging and a lot of like custom rigs uh, in VR chat are built around physics modeling that is not inherent to the game and people are basically running their own physics modeling systems in order to like literally make their avatars look the correct way right. in spaces and so like I think that that is like I think it's actually a really great example of the thing that we're talking about which is that like the second corporations touch these things they evaporate because I think like the dream of the metaverse as people understand it is something that or like the dream of the internet as people understand it is something that you cannot effectively monetize very well because it will always be weird and strange and effectively uncontrollable and the second you try and apply control to it the people who are making it work will disappear because they do not trust you the the chaos is part of it the like slight dangerous elements of it is part of it not you know it sort of comes with the territory it's so funny, like, you talk about the, the custom rigging and stuff, too, because inherent to, like, literally the whole thing in the Snow Crash fantasy is that you go into the space and you can have all the shit you want. You have the avatar you want. You have the gear. You have the, the abilities, the movesets, whatever that, that you want. Uh, now, the other angle people come at this by is there's also scarcity. You only You are the only person that has this shit. Or if you have, like... Uh, you know th- this this piece of gear uh, that is so rare that like it is like known across the 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 metaverse that like you're the person who is the wielder of like that faded blade or whatever. And that's how you you know the the NFT stuff uh, comes in there as as well. But it's very funny that when you have companies who are essentially like trying to be like, and this is the vision. This is we're gonna bring this stuff into reality. The minute like you see. To support that level of like, wow, this is a cool, vibrant place to hang out in. It's gonna have to like tools are gonna have to like disseminate out to a huge community. People are gonna have to go wild with it. At which point, though, and this is the thing: everyone's like, "I want to do the snow crash thing." It won't turn into snow crash. It will turn into second life. Like that is like that is like and and people who are which is what G- that, which is what the GTA role playing stuff really is. There's like, do you want to do Second Life in GTA? But like... there's enough thematic guardrails around it. I think yeah. that like there's like it's like GTA Online still has like uh like sort of consistent like it's it's still like recognizably the thing and it still has like a foundation yes. in in yeah. GTA. But like Second Life, the appeal to it who were pe- for people who were really really into it was that it was well. 
there are kind of two things. Like, it's overstated how much it's like people just wanted to be like ha- like having uh, chat sex with weird avatars in Second Life. That gets overstated, but that was part and parcel of just a broader like it is a space where you can kind of create whatever you can create whatever scene, whatever setting, whatever characters. VR chat's the exact same way. Where like a lot of the right. headlines center on look at these furries like they're on here having sex and like sure let let them do what they want. But that is it is as you just said, part and parcel with it is a place where you can make like the, the dream of like the metaverse, like, well, like it could just be the world you wanted to be because you, there are things about the world around you and how you look and how you feel and how you represent yourself that you may or not be able to do in, in your like but, physical self. But, um, but here, you know, as like, resident, like with the mods, like with the rigging, like you can, you could achieve that or, or just, you but could a company be a weird like looking Facebook Sonic. Can, but a company like Facebook can never do it. Yeah. Because like they like yes, the minute it's, I think broadly, I I agree with Ren. Like the minute a corporation is involved, like this gets much much harder. But I think this specific corporation also like when you have a corporation that thinks of things in these sort of like colossal planetary scales, uh, you are you are going to get sort of a temptation for kind of a underfeatured. Uh, like tightly controlled thing that's really antithetical to their to their goals. But the other the other aspect of this is that it's always been very funny that like Facebook presents itself as the company that can do this when historically they're one of they're they're profoundly uninnovative company, like mm-hmm. famously so. Well, they're, uh, they're, Zuckerberg was very good at identifying, like sifting through data to identify a company that was about to take off, right? And then buying it, and, like, and he had a bankroll enabled to do it. Yeah, WhatsApp done. <laughs> like that is like a lot of the growth of Facebook in the last decade is not the news feed changes. It is it is just identifying a company and having the resources to make it part of your own. Right. They they have an exceptional ability to identify companies and then to fuck them up beyond repair. <laughs> Unless you TikTok, and then and then you are then you are in an existential crisis and unable to 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 figure out, and then you realize maybe I should break one of my own products like Instagram, a thing people liked quite a bit, and just you know <laughs> tear right. it down. <laughs> it's God. It's, what a, I what a series of unforced I didn't actually watch the video where Instagram Peter Dunphy. Uh, is oh, like, dude. Sp- I need to watch it because it looks. I just, just the stills I see from it are just. I, I watched thirty seconds and was like, this is so profoundly uncomfortable that I can't actually get to the. Like, I feel like I'm watching a bit. Um, like and, basically, and- basically the message to Instagram users was, we know you hate the platform now, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. basically like, and you're gonna have to live with that. We're sorry, but get fucked. Um, uh, get fucked. Uh. That's the that's the message. I mean, it's just wild because Instagram is the place where millennials went, like me, when their parents got on Facebook, and then Facebook became a platform for everyone. And it was like, well, this doesn't feel like I'm hanging out with my friends anymore. Let's go to Instagram, and then that's where people who are mm, 33 to 45 like spend a lot of their times hanging out and chatting with their friends. Uh, and then TikTok comes along and is like, well, how do we change this into? People seem to be watching videos more. Yeah, because you're putting the videos front and center and I can't avoid them. You've invented a growth metric to explain your priors so you can achieve your goal of breaking this app. Unforced error. Unforced So, on top of that, they're also... uh, 
they just sort of just hiked the price of the Oculus Quest. Unbelievable! One of the one of the weirdest things I have seen. Um, so, Facebook, which like rebranded, you know, broadly as Meta, um, as part of this plan to sink the company uh, by, by Mark Zuckerberg, um, and it uh, also rebranded the Oculus Quest Two. Probably one of the cooler pieces. I try to strip away the Facebook stuff from it. It's an inc- it's an incredible little device that arrived at an incredible little price that was so clear it was being sold at a tremendous loss. But it was an attempt to do what a lot of these big companies do, which is saturate the market at uh, or a lot of these you know startups in Silicon Valley do is like, hey, we are going to not charge anything, get people in the door, and then we'll figure out the money later. Um, and uh, Oculus, or I guess Meta, I'm just going to call them the Oculus, fuck Meta. Uh, Oculus, uh, they announced, uh, I got to read the the, um, the actual way they phrase this, because, uh, yes, they are increasing the base level price of the, uh, the Oculus Quest 2 from 299 to 399 and then, and then if you want the uh, larger uh, internal storage from 399 to 499 uh, and yes, in order to continue investing in moving the VR industry forward for the long term, we are adjusting the price of the MetaQuest 2 headsets starting on August 1st, 2022. But an offer to download Beat Saber, one of the most popular Quest apps, is that no additional cost will come with every new headset purchase for a limited time <laughs> until the end of December to get to the holidays. Um, they won't. They're even. They're not even going to give you their duck hunt for the rest of the year. No, no, no. They'll get through the holidays, and 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 that'll be that'll be that. Um, as far as I can tell, uh, I um, there is not a, a really a, a concrete instance of a console, a piece of hardware having its price jacked up mid cycle. Um, th- it would not be shocking if you had seen like, hey. We've been selling the Quest 2 at a crazy loss. The company is hemorrhaging money. Apple passed those pesky privacy measures that asked users, do you want to be tracked? And they mostly said no, and it's now costing us $10 billion a quarter. Um, ah, we got to make more money on these Quest things that are selling actually quite well. Uh, that when they got around to the Quest 3, you would suddenly see the price jack up. That's traditionally how you would see... That, that pricing uh, move forward. Um, and they said no to that and said, we're just going to do it right now. And you've got a week to go buy that Quest 2 um, before that price changes. But it is a, you know, I, I've, I've, you know, someone that really likes VR, but has long abandoned this notion that VR was ever going to sort of establish itself as any sort of like pillar platform. But things like the Quest 2, the vibrant community on the PC uh, and like uh, Steam and actually the Quest Store has managed to allow companies to be pretty profitable making like the people who get into vr tend to get sticky really fast and they buy a lot of things and so um Mm. if you can get someone in the door on the like the like there's a lot of data on the quest specifically um that people like go one of two routes it's like they bought it and they got it for the holidays and they played beat saber and then it sits in the corner or they spend a shitload of money and they've actually been able to like to People have, are successful selling VR software specifically because of that Quest store. And then you, it's very easy to link up your Quest to uh, to play games uh, on Steam as well. Um, and although it was never – it was clear as net VR was not going to be 
the revolution it was hoping for and was probably just a step on the path to AR, which is going to be more broadly acceptable to people who don't want to have a helmet on their head as slick as those helmets get and as wireless as those helmets get. Uh, and then we end up here where it's like, well, suddenly like 400 bu- like $300 is like pretty palatable to a lot of people. 400 starts getting... I know it's only a hundred bucks, only a hundred bucks, but in this economy, uh, it just seems like a great way to to start busting up its attempt to even carve out some sort of mainstream relevance for itself. Uh, in a way that, yeah, sorry, I've completely lost track of like, is Oculus Quest two now like kind of the lead in terms of just like good VR? It is the market. It is the market. Like there is, there is the Quest two. And that long pauses, there's nothing else. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, like you, th- things exist, like the Valve Index, if you would like to have much higher quality, uh, uh, you know, displays uh, and things like that. Yeah. But even as, I, I have an Index. I got one with Half-Life Alex, And yeah. it looks great. But the Quest 2 is good enough that because VR itself is inconvenient by conception in terms of being able to engage with, the only way I was like, I'd much rather deal with the good enough fidelity of the quest Two, and be able to just like turn on steam, have that stream to the headset. Or, you know, if it's not, if it has to be, if it can't, if it it can't run, it's like the, the quest runs things through like a mobile, you know, graphics card uh, and chipsets in internally. That's not good enough for some stuff that you'll need to run natively through uh, the quest store or steam. But like the quest is it. And so, and it, it really took off the last two holidays. Like, it has been a genuine seller. Like, not just like, oh, it's cute, like, which is kind of what the PSVR is. Um, it has genuinely been like, oh, shit. Like, it seems like VR was, like, kind of headed to the exits and the Quest 2 kind of saved it in terms of uh, relevancy. And so if you do like the platform, I mean, is that going anywhere? Like, Apple is yeah. about to announce some, like, $3,000 VR headset who I don't know who that is targeted at um but like i said i think that's all like on the march towards ar stuff that has vr as a like component of it but it's just yeah it's weird it's extremely weird and just like on its face in the timeline of history announcing that you were in as like basically like hey fuckers like haven't you liked that we've taken a loss on this we're gonna have to we're gonna have to you know hike the price I, i don't know this for sure but i can't help but look at this and go so they recently announced that the one of the the sticking points for a lot of people, despite how good the Quest 2 as a device, is that you have to log in through a Facebook account. And logging in through a Facebook account, uh, you know, rightly raises uh, a lot of ire and suspicion that, ah, like, the data harvest is upon us. And they recently announced that, hey, we get it. Like, this actual connection with Facebook is turning a lot of people off. We're going to let you just build your own like Oculus specific accounts after they made everyone merge their accounts into Facebook, which is just makes it so much funnier. Uh, like maybe there's a world where like they've done the crunch, the numbers and actually like in order for like broader acceptance, they need to like get away from like the Facebook stuff and the data harvesting. But as a result of that, they have to say goodbye to a shitload of money. And then you see that manifested in uh, an increase in price. That's just speculation on, on my part, but it would it would fall in line with the, the company's, like, cratering stock price, like, continued irrelevance, philosophical flailing, uh, and then 
you end up with weird ass moves like this. I mean, that's why I haven't bought an Oculus. Like, I, is, I the reason I didn't get a Quest was because it requires a Facebook account, and I refuse to have a Facebook account um, for for many reasons. Yeah, uh, fair. But that is the thing that was holding me back, uh, and now they hike the price a hundred dollars, and that is well, you've got a week. Um. <laughs> Take advantage of that week. But 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 you just got that chair. That's true. You did get the chair. The chair has been inquired about. Oh. Oh. I have not. I have not. I know the amount that the chair is going to cost. Mm. But I've inquired about a specific chair, and if I don't get that specific chair, I will get another one of that brand of chair. Which, which... I asked someone for rec- for chair recommendations, and I did, I was not just given a brand of chair. I was sent a link to you a specific chair. I was sent a link to okay. a specific the... chair. I... Show me this. Show me this link. Show me this okay. chair. All right, give me a sec. Let me go to my text. I am. I am curious because making an inquiry. Uh, yeah. That sounds like we're already in a different realm. That I would. No, no. It's a. It's a normal chair. Okay. It's just being sold for a quarter of market value. Ah, nice find. Good find. That's that's what that's. Hey, Rob. Hey, Rob. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's how you got to do it. Yeah, that's absolutely. What, it's it's absolutely worth camping. Yeah. Um, no, we currently have a little like wish list of things that hey, if this pops up at a uh, Habitat Humanity Restore thing. Uh, oh, if this if it's on a marketplace, perchance. Oh, yeah. perchance I see it on a marketplace. Yeah. Oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe it, maybe a chair perchance. But yeah, I, I can't understand what this would this would make now if you're trying to like get the the Oculus thing uh, under the under the wire that could that can make it tough. Um, so for for me, uh, the sort of, like the the issues with VR and Oculus and these sorts of peripherals that sort of leads me to uh, I am I'm having to look deep inside myself of late having to really introspect uh, about my relationship with my racing wheel. Mm. Um, because, so I, like, I got code for F122, like, a week ago for PC, and, like, it was a very busy week. But also, I was like, oh, when I, to, to play with that, I'm going to have to bust out the, the wheel. And one right there is kind of an indication of where things stand. Like one of the issues now is I'm like, I love my racing wheel. I always make sure I have a nice racing wheel. Can't live without that. Since we moved to this place, um, and this has been an issue like for a while, but specifically like once we moved here, the mm-hmm. biggest issue I've had with my racing wheel is where the fuck to put it when it's not in use, which is always like, I, I'm always like, oh, I want it, like, I want it near my office. I want it near my desk. When I just like, you know, pop it over and use it. That's never going to happen. And so it's just been a continuing like, well, which, where can I put this awkward like giant pile of shit? That's uh, like in the middle of my living room, but also like a little bit out of the way, but like still near where I can get at it. And then every time I bust it out, um, it's not as fun to use as i hope and that really started to 
That was me the other night uh, when I was prepping for doing the F one twenty two stream. I was like, okay, I'm gonna get this all set up. It's Sunday. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna finally bite the bullet, set up the set up the wheel, and uh, get this thing get this thing ready for stream tomorrow. And I was rapidly reminded. It's like no, it's not just like it's not that you don't like racing because I'm playing GTA, uh, not GTA, but Gran Turismo Seven like every day for like six months. So mm-hmm. like clearly like fully like just guzzling, just chugging the good <laughs> racing. Uh, but a sip of race, not not a sip, a chug. Sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just absolutely. Um, I'm very hydrated uh, with with motor oil and uh, like power steering fluid. But this. Like setting it up, uh, it's you immediately enter that realm of like, how many more things do you have to do after you plug it in for it to work properly? And as that number of things increases, uh, my likelihood of engaging with it decreases rapidly. And so I plug the thing in, and I'm like, cool, time to time to play my racing wheel. Fire up GTA, uh, not GTA, uh, F122. Game starts, and immediately a little message pops up. Hey, you know your Logitech G29? We don't have a profile for that. Sorry. I was like, I don't know what that means. But sure, okay, I'll click past it. And I go to set up the controllers, and it's like, we don't know what you have. Maybe some sort of steering wheel? Uh, Do you have, like, the Logitech Formula Force by chance? I don't know. And it's like a generic like input and I start like mapping to it and there's it's impossible to every single what I what I have is it's a uh, it's it's adapted for a uh, PlayStation but also works on PC so it has the PlayStation controls mm-hmm. but when you're mapping all the buttons uh, and it does now it has a generic profile like arrow pad up will register as like that's button 23 arrow pad down is like that's button 22 and so, like, as you're doing key mapping, you're like, I don't even know what I'm mapping anymore. Like, I'm looking at my controls, and I'm like, which, which of these things did I did I bind? And it's just, and then I start playing it, and there's no force feedback. Uh, it's it's all fucked up. So so clearly something's something's really busted. Um, and then I'm remi- then I remember like I've always had issues with these things. If you do not have the specific like system tray like app running to make these things work. So I'm like, what's what's Logitech using these days? Logitech's always had some sort of different app to run its shit in the background. Like, if you have a Logitech webcam, you're familiar with the fact that it, like, Logitech webcams are much much happier if they are being run through a Logitech app. Um, so now Logitech has moved moved things over to Logitech G Hub. Yep, and I fucking hate G Hub. Yeah, you you That's fire a great name. That's a great name. The Gamer Hub is it for gamers? Um, but it's also for webcams. Pat, it's for everything. It's just G-Hub. it's for if, if it's Logitech, it goes to the G Hub. And so once I install the G Hub, the G Hub's like, well, you know, you got to restart the PC and do all this stuff. And this is not like extraordinary, like level, like by 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 sim standards, this is normal. But reboot everything. Go back into F one twenty two, and now it's like, hey, that's a that's a Logitech G twenty nine. We have a profile for that, and I'm like, I don't understand. Like, 
it was like you knew it was there from the start. Like, why didn't the profile load? Why? Do, why does the profile only? Like, why does the? Why does the game have to talk to the like steering wheel through the through the Logitech app? And otherwise, it doesn't work. Even though the game knows perfectly well what is plugged in there, don't fully get it. But all this is like that's fine. Like this is this is just like the baseline hassle of like making these things work. Now that I've done that, that's not a task I'm gonna have to repeat. But here's where I really start to like realize that I'm not sure I can just emotionally and mentally handle what it takes to do sim racing these days. Um, because everything is designed to be super granular, granular so you can tailor it and make it feel exactly the way you want. So the steering wheel has just the amount of like resistance for like wheel weight uh, versus like feedback coming from uh, when the tires are under load, etc. And so... Now that my like steering wheel is working, I'm like, okay, time to time to set this up, and there's still some remapping I have to do. But the main thing is, there's like a half dozen hundred point sliders for the exact expression of force feedback that you want in the game, and. Let me tell you up front: the defaults do not feel good. Like, so, if you're like, well, that's only if you really want to, like, customize it. I'm sure, like, you know, you can probably just leave it with the default. No, you can't. You cannot leave it with the defaults. Because with the defaults, you're like, why the fuck am I playing with the steering wheel? See, I feel like um, I've never been somebody, and obviously it makes sense that people who are, like, sim heads, like, part of the appeal is, like, tailoring it to, like, your experience, how you want it to feel. Um, I've had this theory... But also, you know, obviously, broadly, like, stuff like this doesn't... Like, I've never gone down, like, customized, like, hyper-specific how the... Like, I just, like, in everything in my life, like, most of it just sort of, like, accept at face value because I worry. I see people, I see, see people like you, and it's like, well, this doesn't feel great. But in the pursuit of trying to make it feel great, I'm... Am I going to ruin it for myself in the process? And I just wonder, like, I'm only asking, like... It does this speak broadly, more broadly about like other things, like your mouse, your key, you know what yes. I mean? Like where it's like you suddenly get in your head about like, well, it doesn't feel good. And where's the line between it doesn't feel good or I'm telling myself it doesn't feel good. But there's actually no line where it's going to feel good. And boy, now we found ourselves in a, in a yeah. tough place. Well, and I think you have to, you really have to enjoy the process of this customization. Like, yeah, that makes sense. I often like, I often think, you know, I'd love to be more like Charlie Hall over Polygon. Charlie loves figuring the shit out and like, customizing <laughs> these things and tuning. And that's uh-huh. fun for him. And so he gets in a lot of like the communities and like uh, niche games and such, and like has the patience to be like, I'm going to build some kind of cool rig that's like special purpose built for this. Because he enjoys the process of getting there. I just want the finished thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, man. That's, like, that's, that's me. Like, I just, just give me a couple of options and like, boom. Like, and then everything springs into place and, and, then, and then you're good. Right. And, and so this is, this is kind of a curse is like I have a strong pull toward like niche hobbies. Yeah. But, but the hobbies, the end point, like the hobby is actually the journey. And I'm actually, that looks like a great destination. <laughs> you know, like, how do I get to that destination? That explains so, so, like, I feel like that line itself explains so, so much about about you and the various things that we cover on your interests. Because it, it is. Your favorite thing to do is discover something you think you'd like to get into. And it's really not about getting into it. 
It's about thinking about getting into it and, like, the journey of discovering what it would mean to get into it. And then maybe you get into it at the end and uh, maybe But not. I just want to get to the good thing. That's, yeah. like, that's, <laughs> like, it's, like, man, like, I am, like, I love the idea of, like, man, imagine I used to start every day with the best cup of, like, you know, homemade espresso possible. That would be incredible. Can you yeah, it's great. Lux life. <laughs> but getting to making the best making a good making a reliably excellent espresso mm-hmm. i'm like i'm not sure i would enjoy the process of getting there um and especially the the detours i would take as i was like well actually i just i'm using the wrong technique but this is this is sim racing too because I, like as i'm doing this i realize this is this I think more than anything is why people have those permanent like standing sim rigs because once you have this like once you tune all this stuff you want to like put the entire setup under glass a little bit and have like those those apps that control your things like steering wheels and, and such you want those all to be on your side you don't want to even be tuning it through the game necessarily as much you want like the baseline setup uh, to be pretty much exactly where you want it, and then the game sort of like fit that. But to get there, you re- it really does make life easier if you have a dedicated setup where everything can be sort of laid out and tuned exactly as you like. Um, whereas for me, where it's always going to be like you know plug unplug, uh, you know f- like get the get the engine turned over for a new game there's always going to be the stage of like this doesn't feel right how do i make it feel good and the other thing is just the way my brain works you give me 600 point sliders <laughs> i am lost in that level of granularity plus right and that's the other thing is comparing this to gt7 is really instructive as well um because Gran Turismo is profoundly well-tuned for the PS5 controller, which makes sense. They spent ages working on it. Uh, they, they know everyone's using this controller. And so playing it with the controller is still a more vivid experience than a lot of games I play with the racing wheel because they did such a good job of like making that control system work and communicate a lot of things that automatically I'm like, wow, this is, this is some of the best uh, racing I've ever experienced. And I know that, like, you know, there's there, there's not much point in fussing with stuff. Um, it's it, it's great straight out of the gate. And with a game like F122, there's all these questions of, like, really subjective things. Uh, where it's like, how stiff do you want the wheel to be by default? How strong do you want the force feedback effects coming from the road surface to be? How strong do you want the force feedback effects coming from curb surfaces to be? How strong do you... Like, all these things. But what you're also tuning there is your feedback system for what's happening with the car, for how you control it. And so if you get this stuff wrong, you're going to be getting the wrong prompts. Like, your brain will interpret things poorly. And you will drive poorly because what your steering wheel is telling you is not what the game is trying to tell you because your settings haven't like matched those two things up. GT7 
there's it's clear like the game is telling you exactly what it intends you can interpret it really reliably hmm. f122 there's this huge error bar which is what are your personal settings and how are you interpreting them does this feel right and it's made more complicated by i don't know what an f1 car feels like not really like my experience is always through these fucking games like gt7 because you start with like baseline cars you get a sense of uh okay well this is what a you know a honda fit feels like in this game I understand like how cars like that drive, uh, but I don't know how how an F one car is supposed to feel. So I'm kind of groping through this blindly, uh, trying to trying to get this in a place where where it feels good. And so like my my first session with the game was like four hours of tuning, and like at that point it's bedtime. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, like and so I'm like uh, great. Awesome. I guess uh, the thing's sort of ready-ish for stream tomorrow, but like, I have now spent my entire night preparing to have fun with this thing, and then also I'm gonna have to take this wheel down, like, you know, soon, because uh, can't live can't live with it out for that long. So it, yeah, it's like F122 has kind of like i wouldn't say broken my spirit on sim racing but like it it has sort of made me realize like shit like i don't know that i can keep i don't know that i can keep investing time uh in this or alternately maybe what i need is a sim rig and then i just invest lots of time and money <laughs> in it and then like if i had all the high-end shit life like then rob you need a basement first i know you're not gonna. That's not gonna. That, you know, that's not gonna happen in the place that you, that you got. That's a. That, that is a quintessential. I know. Dad basement feature. Um, and I know a lot of. Uh, like my neighbor went down that path with GT7. Like when it came out, like played with the controller for like a night and went, to absolutely not. And then just um just immediately invested in like a full setup to to play that properly. Um, and it's cool as hell, but it. He at the end of the session can just, and I'm sure these aren't as complicated as some of these custom rigs that people make. But you know, it's in the same ballpark where it's like just connects the disconnects the USB cord that is connected to the PS5 that is connected to the projector, shoves that off to the side, and like you're you're All good, done. and then just brings just brings that back when you know he's ready to to engage with it again, and like that's yeah. what you want, even if it's probably a, a more higher end version of that. Um, but I also think it's maybe illustrative of. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily like getting older, but the, the tension between like your hobbyist and like how much you want a game to just interpret p- parts of it for you. Um, yeah. And it's interesting to see that illustrated specifically for someone like you, who I would have otherwise, I otherwise would have pegged as someone who wants to be in the sliders um, uh, and learning that you like a little bit of the sliders, but not maybe some of those sliders could just <laughs> interpret what I want them to be. And it just feels good. Um, you know, I mean, that's probably just a broader tension in game design, right? Is like, you know, people think they want to choose things, but actually just want it to feel good and go from there. And that's... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, like, you give... I would, like, yeah, I, I would have thought, and I think historically I have, like, I love lots of granular settings. I love to, like, tailor it just to me. But... That but if you also, don't have the vocabulary for what that even means, then that's functionally useless. <laughs> right. And and also, like, what if it all, like, and creating those sort of settings also means you've created a possibility where people can make it bad for themselves right. uh, mm-hmm. and not know it necessarily. So, uh, yeah. So, like, 
that's that's like where I'm at with with the just the general my general relationship to to sim racing right now. Uh, I have managed to put some time in F one twenty two, and I've gotten so much better than I showed on stream. Really, I can't I cannot overstate. Oh, the quintessential of someone who plays golf is like, well, yeah, you know, when I wasn't playing with you guys, like just just crushing those drives. But I'm just really off my game when you guys are here. Uh, I it was it was brutal what was happening to me on stream. Uh, I was I was twitchy. I was panicky. I was uh, I got too excited. I overdrove the car, um, and now that I've I've spent some time with it and I've I've got my sliders a little more right, uh, <laughs> you know I'm I'm starting to have some I'm starting to pr- turn in some some really nice laps, uh, and I'm also. So what I did on stream was I started I went career mode, uh, which isn't too different. When I got off stream, I went back and I was like, I'm just deleting that entire career. I'm not I'm not sticking with that. Like that didn't happen. <laughs> that's not me. No, that's not me. Uh, when I got off stream, I did the thing where you create your own team, and it's like franchise mode, but also you're the driver, and. You know, in the the virtual, they have all the commentators from uh, F1 TV and uh, the 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 Sky uh, the Sky the Sky broadcast in the UK, and so part of it is like, wow, you know, nobody's ever uh, the driver owner thing hasn't happened in like a hundred years. Uh, that's that's pretty wild, and of course, it never will. Uh, it will never happen again because you need to be a billionaire to own a team, uh, and there's just not that many teenagers who have control of a billion dollars. Uh, that they can do that and, and then would like have the talent to start driving. But anyway, in this fantasy land, you are an owner driver. And uh, it's it's funny, like you you make your own team and you choose things like who's your engine supplier. Uh, I went with the worst engine supplier, Renault, because they're cheap, uh, because nobody wants their engines because they're bad. But I figured I'm a new team. I'm going to have a bad car. So what's the matter? It's got a bad engine. Mm-hmm. I don't need it. I'm just going to waste that good engine. I need to save that million dollars a year so that next year I can build a good car. Um, I looked at the driver market and I was like, wow, there's a lot of up and coming talent from uh, Formula 2. That's great. I don't need a good driver for this car because, uh, again, it's a bad car. What I need is a driver who's just very consistent and really thoughtful. And so I picked out a driver who's like, you know, he's not amazing, but he's just like, he's very good as a benchmark. And I'm like, that's what the team needs right now. Just a benchmark. Uh, the thing that kind of jumps out at me is this is the most EA of their releases. Like, like uh, Codemasters was bought by, by EA. And... There are a lot of places where, like, with your customize your driver avatar or, like, customize your new team where it sure feels like they're pushing you to remember that, hey, you need to unlock more cosmetics because your default cosmetic options suck. Uh, wouldn't it be great to have good options? Well, maybe you should buy, like, the season pass. Uh, and then the progress bar that fills up every time you do something with all those locked icons. Uh, well, now, when that progress bar filled up, those icons would unlock. Uh, and you get the stuff that you've unlocked. And so it's very, like, it's grating because this is a, you know, it's a full-price game. And like all sports games now, 
that just buys you entry into a game that's constantly reminding you like well to have the non-ugly version of this you need to you need to give us more money uh and grind a lot right it's kind of the twofer Mm -hmm. it's like uh hey do you want to just grind a ton of this game for the purpose of getting stuff but to even get that stuff you need to pay for it you kind of need to pay for it twice uh that's that's kind of where where this game is at in terms of the racing um I mean, it it does it 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 does now feel really really good. It is very funny that there are a thing they can't solve is and I guess you know this is self driving car stuff. Of course they can't solve it. When something unexpected happens on the track, the simulation collapses <laughs> uh, because like so. The AI drivers are capable of some clever tactics, like they will defend positions pretty realistically. They will like try to make passes uh, fair, fairly realistically. Like uh, they will recognize when you're moving into a passing line, they will sort of block you, and you sort of spoof them by cutting back over real quick. That stuff's all great. The thing they can't handle, and this happened to me uh, in like the first full race I had last night, at the end of this huge like long straight. Uh, at the the Bahrain circuit, there's this like really tight uh, chicane, and so it starts with a hairpin. A hairpin turn, you have to you have to go from like, uh, God, it's like 320 kilometers, uh, you know, down to like 80, uh, really really quickly. But there was an accident at this at this turn. Not even a bad one, just somebody spun out. And I had to watch the replay to see what had happened because the way I experienced this was I missed missed the initial incident, but as I came up on it down that straight and I saw the yellow flags, I'm, I'm backing off. There is a stack of a half dozen F1 cars that have all like piled into one another end to end, because when the spinoff happened, uh, none of the AI drivers were capable of doing the thing that you'd obviously do which is like i'm going to steer around that accident they piled like the first one piled into it at full speed um and then the others just continued to drive into the back of each other and so the entire race had this like comical like five drivers were taken out uh and there's only 22 drivers in this in this uh field with with my fictional team there uh so like a quarter of the race was wiped out because of car spun and they all just like caused a chain reaction collision, and it's like that just wouldn't happen. It's just comical that that like you watch the replay and it's like wow the the AI drivers have no idea how to handle this really basic situation, and the entire like outcome of the race hinges on the fact that like a thing that should have caused barely even a yellow flag, like everyone should have been able to spin and or or go around, everything everyone would have been fine instead turns into just absolute automotive carnage. Um, and so that, like, it is... They've been making these games for 12 years, and it's just very funny that they've refined a lot of aspects of this experience, but then really basic things about, like, what happens on an F1 course. They still they still can't get the little, the little guys to react the right way. Um, and so it's... It's, it's very weird. Uh, I, I I suspect a lot of people won't necessarily notice because the nice thing about nef- about racing games is they're kind of solitary experiences. It's not like 
in Madden, when things don't go right, you kind of see the camera cuts to, that guy shouldn't have done that. What the hell is going on there? In a racing game, that doesn't happen. You have to kind of investigate like what else was going on. Uh, but it was a case where, even from my perspective, I was like, this is really weird. There should not be 12 cars piled into a, mm-hmm. to a collision here um, at this point in the race. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm having fun with it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting my feet wet, but, uh, little moments like that just kind of highlight how big a gulf actually lies between the F1 series ambitions to be like a good sports game and then what their simulation can achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably have more on that as I as I play a bit more and sort of redeem myself from that from that atrocious stream. Uh, but but first we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break and uh, and read some ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Rob. Let's rewatch Predator. Okay. That new movie's coming out. Pray. It's supposed to be awesome. Like, it's fucking sick. You know, a real like, Predator, not the not the remake. Well, there's. I mean, look. I, people claim the Robert Rodriguez Predators is actually pretty legitimate. I did not like it when it came out, but there's been a reappraisal. But I all I am suggesting, yeah, is we should watch Predator and we should watch Prey. I'm we into do, that. We should do that. I love that. Um. Okay, I will look in. Prey is out August 4th? August 5th. I'll see if we can get it early. I know there are screeners out, but, um... Yeah, let's watch Predator. Hell yeah. Ren, have you, uh... uh are, you a, are you a fan of Predator? I have not seen any... Uh, I have not seen a single frame. Oh, that's great. That's, even that's perfect. That's actually that's, perfect. I'm so I'm... curious how a movie of that... Uh, so I didn't see it until very recently. Like I saw it really, the first time I was so that was not a, a, chi- a child. No, VHS. and that I was, actually was I was like, this up. looks like the most meathead fucking thing I've ever seen. Um, You're not wrong. Well, I can, except can it, uh, true? I am wrong. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, like I'm very curious now, uh, Ren, what, what you make of it when we when we delve into this. Okay. I had, uh, I had a cause... friend growing up who was really into it. It's yeah. It. I, I wonder if they knew why they were into it. Because again, like it's it's a very unusual movie. Uh, it it was because the guy was uh, it was had a cool, scary, mean guy who killed. That was why. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, Okay, all right. I just I was browsing tabs, and that that idea popped in my head. So, Uh, all right. So, Ren, uh, you have been playing Caves of Good. Yes. And you were mentioning before the show that first it feels it, it, it's been an early access for ages. Uh, it, it feels pretty buttoned up at this point. But you also sort of mentioned that it seems 
as these things go, uh, maybe even uniquely good at being a narrative engine. Yeah, I think that it it, it does that on, uh, on a couple of grounds, right? Hey, wait, has, what is what is Caves of Cut? Of Cut. <laughs> right, Caves of Cut. Caves of Cut is a traditional roguelike. We're talking the oh, most... Oh, boy. Wow. Okay, I just pulled up some screenshots. Yeah, <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. This game had ASCII art until, like, two years ago. Oh, this is a ago. quote from Cameron Kunzelman. Okay, well, a lot of things are slotting into place on this video game. This game was ASCII art only until about two years ago. And I was, and I was, and I was still, like, fucking around with it then. Uh, Caves of Cud is a traditional roguelike set in a wildly vivid world it is it is really well done uh it is a it feels post-apocalyptic um but also it seems like the world before the post-apocalypse was also strange and uh, and like deeply deeply broken in a way that you would traditionally associate with post-apocalypse and so it's got this excellent setting that is pulling um across like the traditional like gunslinger to like there are cities that are run entirely by bear people who are really into technology there is a faction of bears who fucking love computers um and so the game is like basically a, a beautiful piece of clockwork in terms of like its faction system in terms of its procedural generation its procedurally generated quests it is excellently written um, the base can, level. Can I, re, can I read some yeah, of these? Please. Do anything you can imagine from the website. Just please. to like, paint a picture to some people yeah. before you get into your specific stories. Dig a tunnel anywhere in the world. Purchase rare books from an albino ape mayor. Contract a fungal infection and grow glowing mushrooms on your hands. Charm a goat into joining you. Then give him chainmail and a shotgun to equip. Clone yourself. Mind control the clone. Hack off your own limbs and then eat them for sustenance. Uh, I feel like that paints a very vivid picture of the spectrum of of stories and adventures you can get up to here. So, to illustrate how good Caves of Could has gotten at the thing it is, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a story. So, I started the game as a scholar, a mutated scholar. Uh, I, I imagine this character. Do you pick, is this rolled yes. for you? Are you picking this? Like, what, picking. how does the generation happen? Right. So you start you start the game. You come to a screen, and there are preset builds where you can do a build totally of your own. Um, and is that like you're picking stats, picking yes. the name? Like, okay, all right. Picking stats, name, mutations. Right. Uh, or if you're an unmutated character, you are picking your uh, cybernetics. So you do stats, uh, you do your class, which gives you a bonus to some stats, and then you might start with some skills uh, at the beginning of the game. Uh, and then you get into mutations. Uh, and mutations are where things really kind of take off for me. Uh, with Caves of Could. So, I was playing as a scholar, which is one of the classes that gives a bonus to intelligence, and you have a chance of having books as starting items. Um, books trade for a lot of money, um, which in this setting is fresh water. Uh, so, you are literally drinking money uh, as you as you travel across the world. Um, and so, you start off, I start off with a couple of books, uh, and just some real basic mutations. Uh, one of them is burgeoning, which meant my character could summon plants. Uh, cool. Some poison ivy shit. Hell yeah. Uh, they had a... They could coalesce the light around them into a beam. So they basically... Their body generated light. Um, and also they could fire light off in a cool like laser beam. Right? Great. 
and they were telepathic. So they could talk to someone a distance away. P pretty simple. Uh, not actually super strong mutations across the board. But I gave them a really high ego stat, which is the game's charisma modifier and also what determines the power of your mutations. And then I gave them uh, an ability called Unstable Genome. And what Unstable Genome does is it basically gives you a random mutation that unlocks later in the game. Uh, and so basically, partway through your run, you level up and the game is like, hey, so your genome just kind of became deeply unstable. What mutation would you like to manifest? Um, and I had this character manifest electrical generation. So there's this like bookworm scholar who's like traveling across the world, totally unprepared, doesn't have a weapon, is kind of just a fucking doofus walking into caves being like, you don't have any books? Hey, hey, can I have a book, please? Most caves don't have books is the problem. They just have people who want to kill you really badly. Uh, and so as the, as the game goes on, I start to uh, get stronger over time because your uh, abilities grow with you because at the beginning of the game, your mutations have like a level one cap and they're pretty weak. Uh, but as you go, you get stronger. And so the scholar is like exploring the world and their mental mutations get stronger and stronger and stronger. Eventually I got to the point where if I touch an enemy with like an electrical discharge, I could instantly kill things that were like significantly stronger than me level wise. Just like this weird freak walking around. At one point I found a little watch uh, that needed a battery. Motherfucker, I am the battery. But this accelerated to the point where I'm in this cave. And I'm playing as this little scholar. And I level up, and all of my abilities tick to the next tier. And the game gives me a message. Let me, let me, let me, let me pull up this message. Uh, caves of Clid. Psychic Glimmer. <clears throat> a message shows up on screen. It's a familiar feeling. When someone has watched you in the past, when it's light that betrayed your presence, you made a friend of the darkness. You pulled your hat brim low over your eyes, you stepped behind the cover of a thatched wall, but those who watch you now watch in spite of such simple obstructions. Their sight isn't mediated by the rays of a gleaming star or torch, but by something much older. If there are ways to conceal yourselves from these seeing eyes, if there are new kinds of darknesses to befriend, you know nothing of them. And then I was just supposed to kind of keep going after the game informing me of that as my character touched the psychic maelstrom, became psychically adept enough to touch the sea of thought that exists outside of themselves for the first time. And so you have this scholar who spent their entire life studying, finally, finally getting at the edge of something truly bigger than them, truly massive. And I find this gun called the Ruin of House Isner, which is this pistol, which has this really cool story behind it. It's a really good gun. I'm, I'm, I'm rolling it. I am fucking, I am killing it. And then this scholar comes into contact with something bigger than them. And he's like, I'm hot shit. I am the I am the best I am the best wizard there's ever been. I can fight anybody. 
Oh, a slumberling? Oh, you're just kind of like a big bear. I can handle a fucking slumberling. I summon plants on you. I electrically discharge on you. This is a two and a half hour run. It is going so good. And then it and then it headbutts me once and my body fucking crumples. I see negative 17 come on screen as my character is absolutely shredded by a bear in the middle of a cave because he was a fucking hubristic idiot. He was a dumbass who thought he was super smart and gets crushed in two hits by a bear. To what degree, like, was that you making the choices to, like, continue the roleplay as the dumbass, or the character also gone off the rails in other ways that were expressed? That, like, um, like, this character is going to heat, like, do a heat check that's going to go badly. Uh, is that you as player, like, making that choice, or are there things in the game that are also being like, uh, I'm losing control of this little, of this little scholar? So, making the decision to fight the bear was on me, that was me, uh, making a choice, because I thought it would be interesting for the character, because I thought it would be funny for the character, because it was like, we're talking like minutes after coming into contact with the psychic maelstrom, he was like, alright, I'm hot shit now, um... And so that decision was explicit, but the game's story generation itself is really exceptional. Um, Highly entropic beings, like, objects will develop sentience. There are sentient chairs in this world uh, that kind of happen by circumstance, who you can learn things from, and the procedural generation is really, really strong. Uh, the game very infrequently takes control away from you, but you actually can determine kind of how much weird shit you want to have happen to you. Uh, I mentioned the mutations earlier. There are also negative mutations. Uh, Mutations cost points. There are also negative mutations, which give you more points to work with. One of them is, yes, narcolepsy. Uh, you could make, you could make a one-to-one Renata Price uh, using Caves of Could mutation system. You got triple jointed. Narcoleptic. <laughs> what's what's narcolepsy do in the game? Uh, it, basically, every round, there is a very, very small chance that you will fall asleep uh, for, 20, uh, for 18 to 20 rounds. Uh, and so, theoretically, you could be just, like, fall asleep in the middle of a fight. The chance is low, but it is there. Um, and so narcolepsy is considered a, a relatively intense negative mental mutation uh, in, in the game's world because falling asleep in the middle of a fight is dangerous. When we talk about that moment where the character touches the psychic maelstrom, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there, like there's stuff that's gonna be proc chan, and then there's gonna be stuff that's like seeded throughout the world. Yes. Um, and this this is obviously that passage is seeded. Yes. Uh, now the the challenge for like games that have any sort of narrative element like this but mm-hmm. like uh everything i've heard is that it's just so hard to sustain the illusion of like the world is full of wonder and mystery because like player like just the sheer amount of content that is required to create mm-hmm. that sense of like wow you could stumble across all this stuff that at any moment the world's world's full of this the, these things i am curious um like do you have the experience a lot of like you're playing it and you're like you hit you see the same beats a lot or does it tend to be like when you when you got that message was that kind of like a was that sort of a uh, flooring you moment as well where it's like it's completely out of left field from your experience of the game 
Right. So that happens. That specific thing happens when your mental mutations hit a certain level of strength. Yeah. Uh, if the collective level of your mental mutations goes over 20, um, that is when that happens. But I had never seen that before. I had not had a character who was so fully invested in mental mutations that something like that could have happened to them. Uh, and so that did floor me. Uh, finding that revolver I mentioned, the Ruin of House Isner, that is also one of the seeded objects in the game's world. Um, the Ruin of House Isner is a pistol that was basically, uh, it's a seven-chambered revolver. Uh, one, one chamber for each of the sons of House Isner, uh, because it was forged, uh, basically for a, a guy to get revenge. Uh, and so it's a, a seven-chambered revolver with seven slugs. Um, and so... That was super sick. The seeded things are very well done. But more than the seeded things, the game actually has a uh, history generation system where basically it will, when you start a new, uh, a new run, the game writes a history uh, for that specific run. Uh, there will be a couple of sultans. There will be historical figures who do things. Mm-hmm. There will be cults who follow those historical figures. And then those stories are in the setting true. And so stumbling upon parts of those stories and discovering them over time is a key part of the process of, like, building the narrative of the run. And so, you know, uh, there's there's a couple things that I've, uh, I've come across a few times. Uh, one time I came across a, uh, a painted knife, uh, and that painted knife told the story of a uh, former ruler uh, who took power... Uh, by assassinating the previous ruler after they issued an edict uh, preventing the bottling of stars. And I found that knife and it's like, here is one part of the history of this of this character. Uh, having this knife gives you a better relationship to followers of this particular historical figure. Right? But other times, you'll find something that is like, oh, this this object has the story written on it of this specific event, and it'll be like, and this event took place at this location, which you now know exists in the world, and then you get a quest that's like, hey, you should try and find that place that's on that knife. You should You should do that. And then you basically go out into the world, and when you stumble upon a village, you can be like, hey, have you... you- have you, have you heard of this place? And nine times out of the ten, they'll be like, no, of course I haven't heard of that place. But every once in a while, someone will be like, oh, yeah, if you head up here and over there, you'll find it. And then over the course of run, you're putting together the history of a specific person, and that rules. Uh, and, like, the beats are familiar insofar as procedural generation the process for uncovering procedurally generated information is pretty standardized but the information which you are finding is is pretty unique uh for that particular uh character Uh, and that's in addition to the game's just like base level really excellent seeded content how um i'm I'm curious now in terms of the the actual playing of the game Mm -hmm. um this this may be an outdated conception of mm-hmm. it is an outdated conception of roguelikes, but my experience with them is a lot of times like the systems themselves tend to be like simple but rugged, mm-hmm. uh, and also like just by the nature of the game, it also lends itself to a real 
risk calculation forward uh, approach to playing the game. It can be a little bit like uh, to, to see more of the stuff, you end up like spending a lot of time on a run doing really uninteresting things. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm curious like how how quickly like when you when you've finished making a character and you're you're mm-hmm. sort of playing around uh how long before you start feeling like oh i'm on an interesting narrative thread here i'm i'm seeing some some really interesting things uh versus you're just kind of out there trying to survive and grind uh to the point where you can you can start those those bigger forays i think it depends a lot on the build that you're doing uh this is a game where you can have a huge variety of builds that scholar i mentioned previously was basically because of that ability to summon plants. Some of the plants in Caves of could basically drop tumbling seed pods, which explode and do a ton of damage. Uh, and so I was kind of able to roll a lot of the early game because I would just be like, I'm just going to summon some plants and kind of lure people into my plant trap. Yeah. Um, and so that character grew really, really quickly. Uh, but generally, death comes pretty quick in could. Uh, and so, but once you're on a roll, things really start going narratively. So if you get past that first, like, literally 20, 30 minutes, which you can very easily if you want to do a build that is good at that, uh, you will you will go on a roll pretty, pretty fast. Um, other characters struggle a lot more. Uh, I have been trying to, for a little bit now, run a character who, another scholar, uh, who... And scholars don't start off with good weapons, uh, who is not strong, uh, but is very agile uh, and has the ability to improve their stats uh, based on how like strong their mental mutations are. Great. Cool, 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 cool. That is viable. But the thing about uh, the game's damage calculations is that they come fast and hard mm-hmm. um, in a way that I actually think is really evocative uh, and does a excellent job of conveying a mood um i also think it's like damage rolls have been done to death but i think this is actually yeah. a pretty inventive way of doing damage rolling that gives a ton of color to the world uh and kind of lets you predict how bad you're kind of get, gonna get your shit rocked uh in the early game if you um like start to understand it uh which lets you kind of skip the more boring bits by being like, okay, cool. I kind of know that I'll get my shit rocked if I go here. Let me go do another interesting thing over here first. Um, it sounds like the game's in a great place. Um, it's so excellent. You're, 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 you mentioned that like, it feels it, it feels pretty pretty buttoned up at this point. It feels pretty pretty uh, ready for prime time. I'm curious where where's the development officially at when it comes to that stuff um like are is it, are they just going to be content being in early access forever or is it one of these things where uh a, a full release is imminent we're it's pretty much there that's why yeah. that's why i wanted to wrap back around to it is because it's pretty much feature complete um let me let me let me do some quick counting yeah uh, 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 of their feature arcs that they have they have completed 29 of what they call feature arcs uh in their roadmap they have one two 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight left. Uh, and the eight left they have are updating the game's UI, which is much better now. It is it is exceptional how much better it is now than it used to be. Um, adding the final region of the game. Um, uh, adding a bunch of, like, accessibility tools, uh, both in terms of, like, accessibility uh, in the, like, disability sense, but also accessibility in the, like, hey, does this game make sense to new people? Yeah. Does this game make sense to new people? Um, systems, which I think they're actually doing a really good job of. The new preset builds are a really excellent series of introductions to the game. Uh, the preset builds are kind of ranked by how challenging it will be to survive as them starting off, uh, which I think is a, is a really good way to... And, and gives you like a, a rundown of their, their basic play style, which I think is a really good way to get people in. Um, I did a run as the Fire Frond, which is a character who can summon plants and uh, shoot fire. Uh, that was like really compelled me and was like, okay, cool. This preset system is really, really strong um, and interesting. Uh, and then two more uh, main quest uh, updates uh, and then sound and music. Yeah. Steam achievements and like quote unquote coloring in the lines. It's just like adding a little bit more content. So it is right at the edge of being done. Uh, in terms of like major features though, they've they've done it and they yeah. work and they're sick. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so that's, that's Case of Code. What, what is that now these days? Uh, I had it on Steam a minute ago. What's the, what's, what's it cost? It costs uh, $25? $20? Yeah. Sounds, sounds pretty reasonable for what you're getting. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Alright, so let's, uh, let's take a little, little dip into the question bucket here. Uh, as always, you can send us questions uh, at gamingadvice.com. Uh, with subject line questions, uh, and we will we, we will possibly get to get to it. Uh, our first email comes from Nathan from San Diego. Uh, greetings, Wabies. No, I don't know. Nah, a San Diego thing. Head back to the drawing board, bud. Yeah, I don't know that it's there. I appreciate the you know six years in, running out of new ways to do it. You know, on some level, gotta try. Absolutely. Uh, Nathan asks, what games have you rented or purchased the most number of times? In the 90s and aughts, it was pretty easy to wind up reselling and rebuying a game over and over, or rent a game repeatedly. These days, it seems more like the only real way to repurchase games repeatedly is just uh, to blanket every game platform with your compulsive purchases. For me, it has been Burnout Paradise, which I purchased on Xbox 360... PS3, Steam, PS4, uh, and PS4 digitally. And while I didn't purchase it on PS5, I've re-downloaded it several times, and that has an <laughs> inkling of the feeling of a compulsive purchase. Uh, I love that summer has become bucket season for Waypoint. Thanks for all the laughs and insight you provide, Nathan. Burnout question for me. Burnout for Paradise for is not a bad one. Like no, I, I feel like I've ended up getting that one a lot, too. Uh, the, between... Like, I think I picked it up cheap for my old, like, 360 arcade. And I was like, eh, playing things on the 360 arcade is a nightmare. I'm going to buy it on PC. Uh, and then they did the reissue. Uh, and I think 
I mean, that one... No, 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 I didn't, I didn't buy it again on PC. At that point, I was like, man, I'll be playing it on the Xbox would be great, because uh, that's now hooked up to the TV, so I ended up getting it uh, for, for the Xbox in there. Uh, so yeah, Burnout Paradise, I think, has had a uniquely, it's a it's very fertile soil for that kind of, like, endless repurchasing. Uh, well, there hasn't been, and also, there hasn't really been another thing that's attempted what, there's no Burnout Paradise 2, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's a it's an itch that if you want to scratch, the best place to do it is just to go back to Burnout Paradise. That's, I mean, uh, like, in some ways, they've, repeated, they, they, they've repeatedly done it again with Need for Speed, but none of it's that, like, nah, it's no, so not really. from uh, yeah. Burnout Paradise. <laughs> yeah, that's such a specific thing that, yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of wild that they have not actually just found a way to make a Burnout Paradise too, especially like given the tech these days, it seems like that would be, you know, maybe it was a you know a game of a moment. Um, but I, I think that there are some games that people buy it over and over because it means a lot to them, and they like just want it's like a comfort game that they they want close, and it's something to revisit. Burnout Paradise, I'm sure, can be that for some people, but I also think it also crosses over into a territory of just there's nothing else like it. And if you just want that, like you've got to keep Burnout Paradise close because you're just not, there's not like not another game for you to boot up and get the same sensation from. Mm-hmm. I think for me it has to be Mass Effect Two because mm. I never bought Mass Effect Two, but I definitely beat Mass Effect Two, which implies to me that I did uh, rent it over the course multiple times over the course of like probably months um that's to, that's to be it for me yeah because that, that's the closest thing i have because i just don't play old games again mm-hmm. broadly unless it's for research purposes or a stream we're doing um and so the closest i have for that is the exact same situation ren which is just oh uh i love jrpgs these carts tend to be more expensive uh, then the other ones, I remember seeing walking down the aisle of Toys R Us and, you know, like seeing how much Final Fantasy 3 was going to cost on the, on the SNES. And, uh, so for me, it was a lot of go back to the rental store because I want to play this terrible JRPG, but I'm just going down the list and like flipping the boxes. And it's like, that looks like it has turn-based battles. Let's do another one of those. Uh, uh, and it's how I ended up playing like Tecmo's like Secret of the Stars, like a famously awful uh, JRPG on the on the Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. but and yeah, and then then it became a a, a game of and we've talked about this before, but yeah, like hopefully my save's still there. Like I would write the save as like PLZ, don't, like don't delete, you know, like just hope is like there's other spaces here, please, just like put it put it somewhere else, and like that's how I would get through some games um, long enough to determine if I liked the story or not. Was just re-renting the same game because i feel like the policy was at the the family video that we went to was that like you could rent it again a second time like hey you can come back we'll just rent it to you again you have to bring it back physically rent it with us you can just like do it over the phone or you know or things like that uh but then like the like the the second time you had to put it back on the shelf you had to leave (laughs) and you had to come back the next day and give someone an opportunity to to rent it again um Mm -hmm. and then i would just try and convince my mom to take us back to see if it was still on the shelf um 
I did not have that problem for the most part. I only had the problem with DS games uh, because of my uh, uh, in terms of like worrying about save data erasure. Uh, yeah, you, I, I guess you were largely coming in into an era in which saves were tied to the console as opposed to the the card, to, yeah. to the to the machine or to, to the game itself. Yeah, but, handhelds being the exception there. But I did have a version of it, which was my Xbox 360. My grandmother purchased for me was used, uh, and I only mm. ever got used hard drives. Uh, and so I would buy hard drives or Xboxes that still had people's saves on them, uh, yes. which is how, as a child, I rented the original Dark Souls, just hit play on that video game. Oh, I don't like this at all. And found myself in Sen's Fortress. <laughs> I started that game in Sen's Fortress, and that is such a vivid memory for me of booting Dark Souls for the first time and being like, what the fuck is that snake man? Uh, and then being just killed by traps over and over again uh, until I decided to start my own save file. It is a deeply vivid memory from my childhood. That's really interesting. We should just uh, have a feature where people send in their save games and just play them. Uh, yeah, I think like I think, I think for me in terms of just ending up repurchasing things uh i think three is like my limit i just don't like because i think in general once it's on pc like it's just gonna be around for ages so there's not that much like pull to to get the stuff on every platform because pc was my default for so long uh so i think three is my limit and i think games that have qualified for that um the original thief uh ended up getting that ended up getting thief gold when that came out uh and then buying it years later on like gog um i think assassin's creed 2 ended up uh following a, a similar arc where it's like eh, i got again situation where you got it on the xbox uh ended up getting it on pc um and i think i ended up getting it for uh, a later playstation as well um but yeah it's but like I mean, there's x was kind of like that for me yeah. where like i play on the pc gamer demo disc play it on the pc that i had and then, I don't think there was an Xbox version, but they put a PS2 version. And I was like, well, I'm not going to beat it again, but boy, I'd love to at least play through a chunk of it uh, again. Um, just to see how they modified the interface for the the PS2 uh, re-release. And so I, then eventually, I, when I got access to Steam, I think I bought it there for a dollar, just for the novelty of it. So like, the, I think the closest I have is probably, probably that one. Just because I always got so interested in just seeing... Well, how is this game mutating on the new platform that it's that it's arriving on? Mm-hmm. Um, oh god, there's I got a really good one. I really I don't think I can read it without Kato here though. It touches on. It's a little. It's a little bit crafty. It's a little artistic. It touches on card games. I don't think I can read it without Kato. I think Kato would be really sad to miss out on this. That's you know I'm going to move that back into the the later. Uh, column. It'd be good if you just read the question, but we just declined to answer it. Oh, it's it's not oh, a question. It's, it's, it's we we a must statement. we must look upon someone's works. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but, oh, but man, Kata's not going to be here for ever. Rob, you can just you have you this new what? tool. You can just literally move it, and it will still be there. I know. That's the benefit of the tool. <laughs> All right, I'll move it. I'll move it off to the side. Um. Okay, so look, someone's got a little 
someone someone has a question and i am curious if if anyone here uh does have an answer but eric from new jersey writes dear waypoint this is mostly a rob question rob sold two b's not sure what's going on there uh mostly a rob question but anybody can feel free to answer rob you're extremely racing pilled you know a ton about cars but you don't seem like a car guy i'm not sure if you drive and if you don't god bless you uh, owning a car sucks and is bad for everybody. But if you do, mm-hmm. what is your dream car? Is there a vehicle you've gone, you've ever gone to an auction site and very nearly considered adding to your life? Other waypointers, what do you drive or wish you could drive? I very nearly put my meager savings into a bid for an imported Autozam AZ1, and I'm very happy to have not done that, but I still like to dream. Autozam AZ1. I I spent most of my life uh, driving oh. a 2005 Ford Freestyle. Um, good, good little, good little, good little car. Well, good medium sized car. That is all I uh, drove, and it is all I really had interest in driving. I never really wanted a new car. Um, I was I was satisfied with the piece of shit that I was given. Um. And I will and I will stand by that car until the day I die. My sister now drives uh, it. Oh, it's a the... fun little wagon. Mm-hmm. Nice. I could fit all my friends in there. Yeah. And that's what mattered to me. The uh, other than the like rotating hand me downs that I like drove when I was a teenager that I can't really I don't really remember. One of them was like a, a Lexus something or other um, at a certain point, but. Uh, the cars I think of was like the first real car that was mine was a Honda Element, which was like the default car they gave a lot of people at my dad's company, Riddell Sports, the sporting uh, goods company. And they eventually were essentially like doing some downsizing and cost cutting. And they were just going to basically get rid of a bunch of these cars, like sell them for as cheaply as possible to just get them off the books and my dad was able to step in and acquire (laughs) two of them for just an like basically pennies you know not quite but like it was like a thousand dollars to buy it like just nothing compared to the the actual value of it and the honda element if you look it up it's like just a little this boxy little thing but the seats folded back so it was tiny but spacious it was like ran like a dream um I I, forget, I don't know what year that car was when we got it, but when we sold it in 2016 as a tr- as a trade in, um, because I got to a point where I brought it to a mechanic and it, I asked them, okay, I am expecting a child in four months. I need you to tell me two versions of what this car needs work on. Version one is if I'm keeping it for the next five years. Version two is that I have a pregnant wife in there and i need to keep her safe i'm gonna i guarantee i will sell this by july 2016 and so he gave me both versions of that one was like a 500 hundred dollar fix and one was a you know like three thousand dollar fix and when i turned that in they were like as though i'd given the place gold they're like this will be gone in 24 hours i was like really like this car is like pretty long in the teeth although it was still in decent condition they were just like fucking kids love this car and I was like, okay. And I like checked in later when we came to pick something up at the dealer. Like, yeah, it's gone. Like, it was it was here like 36 hours. And they sold it, and then we turned that in to get a uh, Honda CRV 
2011. Mm-hmm. Um, very reliable, very good car. Um, it's getting a little cramped. I've talked to Rob multiple times about we like really need to get a second well, so car so, in the house. You, like so, yeah. When it comes to the dream car thing, you got your your sort of your cap is set on a three row car. The dream the dream car for me in my life at the moment is yeah the three row. Uh, like probably hybrid. The electrics are too expensive. I guess it w- electric would be the dream, right? A three-row like minivan electric car. Uh, that's the dream. Like in the middle is actually more like, a, like this. I forget what it was called. One of my cousins got it. It's like the Chrysler something something. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a like a forty grand car, three-row hybrid. Um, you buy it and you get it. You know, eight months later. Um, but. Yeah, my my uh, what was the the Volkswagen one we the were buzz? looking at? Uh, yeah, uh, basically they're bringing back the bus as like a three row family car. Yeah. It's yellow as shit. It looks awesome, um, but it's not coming to the U.S. for. Well, I don't know. By the time by the time I can you know reasonably afford one of these cars, as I desperately hold on to not buying one, I just like I think about it in like six month increments. Don't buy it for the next six months, and then I just convince myself to try and not do it for another six months. Until there's like a, like the housing market's cooling a little bit. I need that vehicle market to cool just a t- just a tiny, just a couple of degrees, and then I can pull the trigger on something. So that's where I'm at. But Rob, I don't know what your answer is going to be, but you've like you've you've told me tales of a car you have dreamed about getting before. I don't know if that's the same. Oh, it's- I don't know if Patrick on the on on the hotel, uh, uh, you know, uh, roof is the car is the same as the car you're going to tell though. Uh yeah, so I think I might not bring that one up uh, because it's, just, it's su- it'd, it'd be such a like swinging for the fences type thing, and requires like if I ever say if I ever reveal I've acquired that car, mm-hmm. it's like I'm confessing to a crime. It's like I'm just fl- okay. waving a flag. <laughs> this like investigate this man, investigate him. Um. So, the thing, so in terms of, like, staring at shit on auction sites, I now go to car auction sites just to see what's up and, like, keep track of, like, what the actual market is for cars. Because, like, dealers, like, as I understand it, prices are falling. Prices on dealer Mm -hmm. sites are not because they're, like, trying to, like, hold the market up to an extent. Yeah, but, like, like, as the market is beginning to... right. But to cool, they're just like desperately hoping there are going to be people like me who are just like, yeah, if I I can get the car today instead of waiting six months to get it from the manufacturer. Cars, okay, fine. Yeah, cars that last winter were like low thirty thousand dollar cars that have now been like forty thousand dollar cars for months. Now you see those listings and they're just there for months. Those cars are not selling at those prices, but they are being listed at those prices. Uh, but you go on auction sites, you get a little more of a sense of like what the what the market is. Thing that I was staring at like hard, uh, like last week, not far from me, uh, in a town nearby, a 2010 Mazda Speed Three. I have a Mazda Three from like 2016. The Mazda Speed line is like their performance uh, line of cars. The Speed Three was like their hot hatch. It had 106,000 miles on it, which sounds bad, but it was $10,000, had been extensively modified for, like, racing, and had recently had the engine rebuilt. 
And so even though 106,000 miles in the odometer, like, new engine. And, like, they don't make these anymore. And by all accounts, they were, like, wildly fun. And I was like, you know. I don't, th- I don't think it's an easy sell to be like, let's get rid of our new, modern Mazda 3 and get this old less good but like cooler speed three from like 12 years ago uh but the the thing that sort of like really made that a non-starter uh was that just a this is standard on a lot of listings but it's like look uh if this thing can't pass emissions that's on you like this is a buyer beware type situation and massachusetts emissions are a little bit tricky and I was like, I would bet you with all those fucking modifications and the rebuilt engine, the odds of that thing passing emissions uh, are low. And like, you know, the I could I could ask you know, the the auction sites let you chat with the owner a bit, um, and, I, and I don't think anyone's trying to screw anyone there. Uh, but I just I could see I could see it where it's like, you know, just randomly at some point the car can't pass emissions and you don't know why, and you're just making change after change to. Uh, you know, to to the to the engine of the drivetrain to try and figure out what's going on, uh, and suddenly that that awesome hot hatch is is, is not so much fun. Um, no, I mean, I, I I think in terms of like there, there's a there's a lot of cars uh, that that I definitely dream of. I think right now the edge of achievable, but not really because it was like it's mutually exclusive with like tons of other useful things uh that i could do with my life instead but the new like generation the c8 new generation eight corvettes uh the c8 look incredible um like look 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 amazing they're they're cool cars uh and by all accounts are like not far off from like european exotic performance but at like a fraction of the cost. And so it's like you'd have a little American built like little mini Ferrari uh in your Ooh. life. That sounds that sounds like a lot mm. of fun. But the deal breaker is I don't think a two seater coupe makes like what's weird is for a lot of my drives I'm not I don't have a passenger, you know? Like it, yeah, it, like it's fine. It's just it just it's often just me out there uh like uh, on the road. But, like, man, I would feel like such an asshole that first time where it's like, uh, I'm taking, uh, you know, I'm going to take Mina to the, to the park. We're going to go for a big walk. And MK's like, oh, that sounds great. I want to come with. And I'm like, oh, I was going to, I'm going to take the, 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 the coop up there. And there's no room for you and Mina. So, I guess we, yeah, no, it's fine. I'll take the, we can take the, the Mazda. That's 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 no no trouble. That's that's where I would just feel like complete asshole. Where it's like, all right, like cool, like time to have a cool little drive somewhere. Nobody can come with. Nobody except the dog or MK, but probably not because if both MK and I go somewhere, the dog has to be cared for. Uh, and I would feel weird about just riding around in a Corvette with a dog on on our lap uh, collectively. That seems that seems sketchy. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's that's probably like up there uh, on the dream list. Like even more achievable is, uh, you know, I, I keep coming back and forth on like, by all accounts, uh, Chevy's just been on a roll. Like their their Camaros are cool, um, but I do wonder uh, 
everyone says you can't see out of that fucking thing. It's like it performs like a race car, but you cannot see. Uh, and I'm like, but do I need to see? No. Yes, I would say. I would say yes. I think if I think performs like a race car and you can't see is I I I believe the worst possible combination. Yeah, but they got all these sensors now that tell you what you need to know. As long as you can see out the front, you're probably good. Nobody can see out the back anymore. Hardly any cars let you see out the back. That's what collision standards are doing. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where that's where things have have ended up on on that front. Um, so so yeah, like I, I think there's there, there's more practical answers, and, and the truth is, uh, all this stuff is like I had a brief flirtation with the idea of like, oh man, it'd be so good to get a cool car, and I've slowly come around to the idea. You know, what sounds way cooler than that is maybe buying a different house that's a house and not a apartment size. And then you could, and then you you know what, Rob, and then you could put your absurd racing rig in it and live out those fantasies. You get all the cars. A little bit cheaper. Yeah. Right. In the comfort of a, of a home. And you can you can dream about what you're going to do when you're 65. Well, you, and then you can be at that auction site. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, by the time I'm 65, it's just a, like, no, then it's then it's like, I... That's the point, Rob, because you should never do it. I know. And then you could just slowly age into the into the Into realizing you're not going to do it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But see, the thing is... I want to age into being like I did that, and that time my life is over. But I gotta do it first, and so that's kind of where mm. I'm like, that's why I need these cars. That's late forties, buddy. I think you just give that about ten years, and you're gonna hit a boiling point, and then uh, Rob is gonna utter the secret code that he wouldn't that he wouldn't say ten minutes ago into into a different microphone. Here's my here, Rob starting a Kickstarter for him to buy this car. Oh my God. Uh, Okay, and uh, last question, by the way. This is somebody... Uh, this is just the direction the question bucket is going. By the way, if people want to write in about games, feel free. We could use more of that. We're, we're, we got tons of, of coffee and water uh, comments and questions. And that stuff's great. And uh, I feel like we, have trend, like we have trended in that direction. Part of like us talking about news a little bit more is yeah. like trying to uh, ground, ground in relevance to yeah. a degree that maybe we have shifted away from and so feel free to, don't be scared off from no. all the questions being weirdo uh hobbies that, that, uh, it is that. not like, a question you could ask like they what do you think is going to happen in games later this year yeah. is is a, is a perfectly applicable question but in, also the car the car i was talking about was the chrysler pacifica which just, just like the the base level non-hybrid 37k the hybrid 47k but would you actually like to buy that hybrid 60k (laughs) if you would like to buy it today at the dealer yeah i think um by the way i heard the they're they're not making siennas anymore after this year but i heard the uh the final uh build of the toyota sienna uh is really i've heard those are good as well yes um but yeah like man minivans what a great concept. We we didn't know what we had. We made fun of them too much uh, in the 90s. Oh, just, uh, dude, I was in this one of these Chrysler Pacificas, like, on my vacation. It's what my cousin has, and it is... Fucking kids have a screen on, on two different couches, and the, the screens talk to each other. I played uh, chess with my cousin. It was incredible. See, this is, this is, this is what the SUV boom took from us. Uh, is that mm-hmm. the, the minivan did all of this in a really practical, versatile like format, and then 
at best now, the market is turning large, unwieldy SUVs into minivans. Yes. But just with a way less convenient, like, form. Uh, what if you had all the space in the world? What if you felt like, what if you were in a mini truck? That's what the minivan promises you. Yeah. Um, but except it's, it's not like a truck because the floor is lower and you got more of that headroom. I, I know. That's what, I know. That's what they I fucked know. up. Anyway, uh, so anyway, with the caveat that I'm just reading what we're getting. <laughs> Josh writes, Rob, get into iRacing. Mm. You've never done it before? I feel like this has to be. I have. I dipped my toe in and I was like, ooh, too hot. Uh, Josh writes, hey, Waypointers, especially Rob. Listen to the latest podcast and watching motorsport. Also, also, yeah, also, you know, all right about games. Just a string of questions that all start with, well, here's a question for Rob that I guess other people could weigh in on if they have any esoteric opinions about this esoteric topic. You could also ask questions to the other panelists, uh, perhaps, would maybe be uh, an option for the audience. Yeah. Because Rob is theoretically filtering these, but if he's filtering them, they still come out as, here's a question that starts, dear Rob, but also other waypointers can answer. Trend in the last two podcasts, just pointing out. Well, that's two emails, even. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, listening to the latest podcast and watching Motorsport Mondays has made me revisit this email I've tried to write since Rob was talking about the Daytona 24. I guess what I'd like to say is that every time I hear Rob talk about Forza, Gran Turismo, or real motorsports, I think he'd really like to try out iRacing. I apologize for the length of this email. Oh, geez, re- okay. I'm having a little Jesus trouble Christ. collecting my thoughts to communicate them on this matter, so... I'll just start off with my admittedly unique experience with iRacing, which has ultimately changed my life very fundamentally for the better. I had taken up working out after a brief period of unemployment and stuck with it for over a year and a half and was very impressed with how consistent effort in improving at something had paid off after sticking with it for a long period of time. I know, no great revelation. But as I've gotten older, I've become a little averse to trying new things when I wasn't immediately good at them. Around this time, I heard you guys talking about a controversy that happened in iRacing, and remembered that I had always wanted to try it out. So I set out to try another new thing, to slowly improve at, this time with the intention of documenting my progress. So I dusted off my old Twitch and YouTube channels and started racing. And after my first half season, started making weekly videos about what I had learned the previous week. Time goes by, and I learn from chat, and we start building a little supportive community. Time goes by, we do a few endurance 10-hour to 24-hour races, and I'm having a great time with the stream, all the while working a retail management job. Then, earlier this year, I was asked in Twitch chat by the chief steward of iRacing if I had checked my email that day. I hadn't, so I pulled it up, and it was a message about a job opening. So I replied, and went through the job application process, and now I've got the first job I've had outside of retail. It's a lot harder to explain what a sim racing steward is to people than it is to say, I run the plumbing and electrical departments at a big box store, but I'm thrilled to be working on something that I'm passionate about. I wanted to write to you about iRacing at this time, because it was around when Rob was talking about the Daytona 24, but it felt weird when I was going through an interview process. Listening to Rob talk about how he was setting up the longest races he could do in Forza 7 last year and his excitement over the Daytona 24 and the Mazda races around it, uh, just recently his experiences with Gran Turismo, I can hear the excitement over good racing and frustration when things go pear-shaped that I have. 
It's also been extremely watching Ro- watching Ro- it's been extremely entertaining watching Robin Cotto learn the crew chief and motorsport manager. I think it would be extremely entertaining to watch Rob and Kato continue Motorsport Mondays with Kato crew chiefing slash spotting for Rob as he learns iRacing. I'll explain to you what that is in a minute. I realize that I now work for the company, and it might seem a little self-serving, but my thoughts on this were the same before I worked here. Uh, and I think I'm going to take up a... I'll take some free code if you, if you got it. And Josh is like, I can hook you up, buddy. And I'm like, absolutely, Josh, hook me up. Because uh, iRacing, part of how they do it is it's not it's not cheap. But the Suzuka 10 hours coming up at the end of the year, and it was a blast for us last year if you want a goal to shoot for. Uh, have a wonderful day, Josh. That is a, that is a wonderful story. Uh, I didn't realize that, that, that being a steward in iRacing was a growth industry. Uh, but but I suppose it makes sense because a lot of people got in iRacing uh, over, over the pandemic. Uh, yeah, so... What he's alluding to there is, it is true, in iRacing, uh, and this is a real-world thing, but there are, there are spotters. Uh, that be, Because the, the aforementioned, sometimes it's, it's hard to see out of a race car, sometimes it helps to have somebody with binoculars uh, or cameras like watching you, and they can tell you what's around you. And in iRacing, that position exists. Somebody can log into your session and basically like look around your car and tell you, like, hey, there's somebody... Uh, you know, at your seven o'clock coming up eight, they're they're making a move, uh, and so you can is is most useful on ovals where like there's tons of uh, like close racing like that and people can be anywhere, but it's it's kind of useful useful anywhere and uh, yeah, I think it could it could be really a great bonding exercise for me and Kato. Um, you know, I accept on behalf of Kato uh, to to sign Kato up to be my spotter uh, as I learn i racing. Not never a driver. No, 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 no. No, what? Let Kato drive? I think not. <laughs> no. Kato... I think the fact that you responded that way means that uh, that is explicitly what has to happen because it would be far more interesting than watching you just do another one of these sims. You know what? Actually, I'm with Patrick here. Rob, get the fuck out of there. Put Kato behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. It's Kato time. Absolutely. Oh, man, what if Kato's really good? That'd be really frustrating. What if I became... Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. I, don't, I guess I'll oh, work I on your setup. That. Work oh, on that your setup, so Kato. Good. Oh, that would be so good. <laughs> All of a sudden, good. Rob is running the stream. He's like, let me mix the audio. Hold on. Oh, you're a little loud. <laughs> it's, it's Kato stretching his fingers and getting ready to hit the track. I'm just like, uh, Kato, there's somebody coming up to, to pass. Kato's like, I, I know. It's fine. You don't need to give me all these updates. Oh, okay, just trying to help. That's it. Uh, yeah, I like I racing super intimidating. It really is. Like the um, like when when I when I played around with it, it was it was just there, there's kind of two layers of intimidation. One is that the simulation is like really high fidelity. The cars can be really really demanding. Uh, and the other aspect is, and th- this is why I think people get so dedicated to iRacing. Um, so the, the job this guy has, like Chief Steward, iRacing has officials to make sure the racing is good. Like, they supervise. Like, it's not to say you always have to drive like a pro. They, they understand, like, not everyone's going to be at that tier. But, like, the very highest, like, tiers of iRacing, it basically is, like, you will have real-world racers. You will have, like, really experienced community members um, all playing. And they want a good race. They don't want people doing dumb shit. Uh, that you see, like, in just random matchmaking consoles. 
And so to enforce this, this is why people end up paying these subscription fees, is iRacing has like officials who will be like, oh, this person fucked up uh, in this race, so we're going to issue them a penalty. It doesn't fix your race, but like they don't get to keep the advantage they got from, from doing this illegal move. Uh, and the other thing that they do is, like, at the very highest tiers, they've screened out. Like, they appropriately match people, basically. Uh, so if you, like, continually are someone who is just can't be trusted out there on, on track, uh, you will not be matched into the the races uh, with, with like, competent drivers. Uh, so... I mean, it's it's tempting, uh, and maybe like, maybe this is what keeps the wheel out. Maybe this is this. Maybe this is. Uh, I mean, I've already moved to a you know keep the racing wheel out life, thanks to um, the the Moonlander split keyboard that MK foisted off on me. Uh, having having been sold by Renata Price on the virtues of an Ergodox keyboard, uh, MK sprinted ahead of us. Gotten, got a split keyboard uh, off the er, in the Ergodox mold, and then immediately was like, "I cannot handle a split keyboard. Fuck this! There is thirty years of muscle memory here with a regular keyboard. Uh, I can this this keyboard, this Moonlander is making me look like a dumbass at work. I cannot handle this. Yeah, too many typos, too many too many clumsy oopsies uh, in 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 the work chat." Uh, and and so now now it it sort of uh, frames beautifully the little steering wheel uh, that now lives on my desk. Uh, so that will that will do it for today's questions. Uh, we have we have more in the bucket. Don't you worry. But I'm just I'm just looking for that bucket to fill up with more things that are not about uh, carbonation and coffee and speakers. Uh, so again, like you heard it, I'm sure people. Hey, people find Patrick interesting. People have lots of questions for Patrick. Wow, what what is the shittiest possible way to do that pitch? Jesus Christ. Send them in. Patrick has lots of cool. Patrick has tons of thoughts about like the direction of the industry, new games. Uh-huh. Like absolutely. You need to know what Patrick thinks. Write in at gamingadvice.com. Mm. Subject question for Patrick. Did you like want me to do something with that no. bit? I I I, I, think, okay. I think you're good. <laughs> uh, so I think that will do it for today's episode. Uh, if you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, Facebook, and YouTube Waypoint Vice. You can follow me at Rob Zachney. Uh, Patrick, where can people find you? I don't know. Yeah, who cares? I'm not sure anymore. Uh, yeah. Ren, where can people find you? People can people can find me on Twitter at Ren or Raven. Uh, you can also check out what we've published on Waypoint. You can also find me in divorce court next week. <laughs> you can check out Patrick's piece on Refund Me If You Can, a uh, two-hour horror game that is itself a pointed critique of Steam refunds. And thanks to Waypoint Plus, Patrick and I are now the Dirty no, Boys. The Dirty the Dirty Boys, yeah. yeah. The Dirty Boys, DB's in the chat. Let's go. Now, despite what that may sound like, that actually refers to our growing power washing company in Power Wash Simulator. Patrick, you and I finally took up the mantle uh, to clean this filthy world of ours. Uh, Hell yeah. And we, we, had a, we had a good, long Power Wash Simulator stream. Uh, you sort of pitched this as a bit. I'm curious, how did you, how did you feel uh, about what you signed yourself up to? 
I had a blast. That's one of the most fun I've had on a stream in a while. Uh, that I, I don't think I could play that game by myself. I don't think I would find that to be particularly satisfying, but playing that as a co-op thing was... It was just really good. Oh, like the whole arc of as we get towards the end and all the dings are going off or you're doing the top part of a bridge and I'm doing the bottom, but I'm doing it 30 minutes later and then we're, we're getting collaborative dings as a result. Just sort of working delightful. toward each other delightful. through a job site. And yes. like, yes. man, that part where... So Power Wash Simulator has, and God, I, I think you even have more of it. Although I'm not sure power, I'm not sure real real world power washing supports the level of modability that I might be keen to try. But when we saved up, we like we're like oh, we're not gonna you know what we're not buying soaps, we're not buying special nozzle heads. We're gonna save mm-hmm. all our money for the bigger power washer, and we got a more powerful one. And like when we started hitting the house that we've been cleaning with that instead of the oh, yeah. the, the the newbie one. It was like night and day. It was like we were hitting that thing with a fucking sandblaster. Uh, just like <laughs> geologic ages just being ripped away by the power of this of this new washer. And then the next map, the next map we got the extended wands so that we didn't have to like walk up to stuff as close to like hose it down. Mm-hmm. We just stand back like kings with like a six foot water pole. It was it was good, uh, yeah. It's just yeah, it's a very it's a very satisfying game. But apparently, also Rob. Uh, so, in that game, part of the arc of it is that you sort of are you're hitting tab to bring up the like the heat map of the dirt, and then you're using that plus your sort of like trained eye with your equipment to like kind of clean up things. And they ding when you've cleaned it like satisfactorily enough, and the game wipes away the whatever small pieces of dirt that you didn't get and just de- determines it to be clean. And then you kind of, like, hit escape, and there's a spreadsheet yeah. of all the things that you've, like, gotten to, like, 96% on that you need to go clean up. Apparently, in that menu, I don't know exactly what you have to do, but if you click on it, it will highlight those things in the environment. Um, I was I was reading through a, a message board thread about oh, the shit. game. With people not realizing that being part of it, and they were like, I played 40 hours of this game, 10 of which might have been <laughs> desperately searching for where oh, is the... We were, like, doing forensic analysis of, like, the first home we did, because it was like... Well, because we didn't understand that if you mouse over it, it's showing you in the upper... Le- we didn't fully internalize all the little UI elements, which makes me excited for getting back... For the Dirty Boys to get back in it, uh... Because knowing all of that, I don't know, stuff like that I think will actually make the game, with the little friction points it even has, like, more satisfying mm-hmm. um, as, we, as we move forward in our, well, really, your burgeoning business. I'm advancing your career mode. Right. Um, I don't get any of the equipment in, in my game, and I don't know that I have the where. I think my experience with this game is going to go as far as Rob wants to play it with me, because... There's not a chance in hell I'm going to do that playground by myself. <laughs> no, dude. Like even with the two of us, by the end I was like, I mean, it looks good enough, right? Like we clean that stegosaur. <laughs> yeah, like I know, I know the premise here was the kids are getting sick, but like less kids are going to get yeah, sick now. It's like good right? now. Mission accomplished. Like now it just looks like normal dirty. I think we're I think we're good. Let some kids make some judgment calls. Um, speaking of streams, uh, Patrick, we're doing that thing Friday, right? We are. Uh, this will. Uh, this will. I don't know when this will go live. We have a Natakado 
doing the podcast production on this, so our, the timeline of it can be is a little bit different. But yes, uh, Ren, do you want to explain? what we're going to be doing on on Friday? Yeah, so uh, we were talking about uh, game rentals earlier, uh, and the other day Patrick came to me with a very compelling idea uh, where basically um, he and I would play through, or like at least play, uh, not play through, uh, different games that each of us had rented uh, over the course of our of our respective childhoods on stream, and we are going that that stick out in our minds uh, in in particularly clear ways. Uh, just let me just let me or just fuzzy read. ways. Just like oh, this is a game that I thought was really interesting. Couldn't tell you anything about it. Let's use this as an excuse. And I think the re- like part of what makes you and I doing this so fascinating is because I think it bucks up against the normal trend of how these go, which is hey, uh, like we're gonna play Mega Man Two or whatever, you know, because mm-hmm. like that's my touchstone. Because then I prepared the audience. I was like, hey, I think it's like a really boring bit to harp on the fact that Ren is like much younger than us but i need you to be prepared for what it means when i tell you we're going to do a feature in which ren is going to be nostalgia nostalgic with us and i was like i'm not gonna and i told the, uh, the stream I was like not going to tell you all the games that she sent me on a list of 10 but i'm just going to read one of them and that's going to give you a s- <laughs> and I, so don't say any other games, Ren. I, won't, I, I was looking at the list. I, won't, I, I was looking at the list. And I didn't want to give away the one that I leapt on as like, this is the one we should do. Wait, um, you didn't choose the, you're not going to tell them the one that you leapt on? Well, we can do it now. We can do it now. Okay. This will be the, the, the uh, but the one I told people is sort of like a tone piece. It was like, the game that, one of the games Ren wanted to revisit is a piece of nostalgia for her youth when she was renting games was sleeping dogs and i saw the chat more or less imploded rob had a moment um but i thought it was illustrative of uh what we were talking about here but please tell the audience the one that i mashed on my keyboard and said that's that's the one we should play uh patrick lost his mind uh when i said final fantasy 7 dirge of cerberus uh, Let us play the shooter <laughs> spinoff of the Final Fantasy VII franchise. A game I have never played, always wanted to. Love me a little bit of... Fuck, what's his name? Not Shadow. Shit. He has Shit. Shadow the Hedgehog energy. He do- Well, because it's from that era. Like, that is... Wait, we talking about the animal dude? The vampire. What's his name? Rob, what's his name? Did you play Final Fantasy VII? Yeah, but wait, who's the vampire? You know, like thirteen, yeah. right? No, that's the that's no, 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 no Rob. Like I would know if we were talking about. He's the, the he's the sh- no, he's an animal. Right. Well, I thought the Shadow the Hedgehog thing was like uh, I don't remember that guy being a vampire. No. I just remember him being a cool animal. Shadow what? the Hedgehog. What is this? Can you give? What's the first letter of his name? Uh, Ren, I have. I have. You don't know? Absolute. I. Okay. Here's the, Vincent. Here's the other important thing Nailed that I it. should say about my choice of Final Fantasy VII: Dirge of Cerberus. <laughs> this is another key detail that is going yeah. to deeply color this decision. Okay. I've never played Final Fantasy VII, nor have I played the Final Fantasy VII. Oh, remake. that's so good, <laughs> and that's a great way to leave it. That is the feature we are doing. That is the content you can look forward to. Uh, it'll be a regular thing we do going forward. Um, and I think occasionally me dropping in 
like games that I've like had a similar experience with. And we'll rotate other people in too, but this, this is what we're going to start with. But I'm very excited to, to get that started on, on Friday. Uh, I also streamed F122, but nobody needs to watch that stream. Uh, I think we can do that. <laughs> why? Nobody no, needs Rob, to see why? it. Because, uh, you know, I just didn't, uh, you know, it was. Rob, you had this Rob. moment where you told me to tell our boss it's going to be late to a meeting. Just really, uh, just I'm just nailing this race, and then I don't know. There was like a crash. Yes, like the stream maybe crashed. the game crashed. The game, the game the crashed. Stream the game, game crashed, crashed. Yes. and uh, there was yes, no more. That makes there was sense. No more. So mm. uh, nobody needs to watch that, uh, but they should check out. Uh, I'm going to continue my work of evangelizing Homeworld Deserts of Croc to anybody who will listen. Uh, and this this week, Ren will have to listen, uh, or at least Ren's Ren's going to see uh, why. Why I'm so high on this game, uh, and why I'm a lifelong a, learner. Yeah, why, why it's such a singular little RTS. Uh, our Waypoint Plus listeners, you can listen to Patrick and I discuss the fourth season of Stranger Things, which was, yeah, just fine if you like that sort of thing. But it turns out Patrick <laughs> and I do a lot. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you want to just listen to us gush while also being like, was that pretty shitty and didn't make a lot of sense? No. Yeah. Um, um. <laughs> did we did we eat it and we this do it again Cheetos aren't yes. food crunch 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 do you want us to just tell Jonathan Byers you need to fuck off man you ain't relevant to this story anymore you're, you ain't kissing anybody in your day the next is season. done King Steve is back <laughs> King Steve <laughs> yeah so look forward to that that was that was really good that's that's up now if you're um listening to that it is in the waypoint plus feed as as we speak so if that sounds good or if you just want more waypoint you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe uh you access to our premium feed but you know you're also just helping support waypoint and everything else we do here uh if you want to show not just support but zeal uh by all means go to waypointgeneralstore.com and buy some fine merch our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Uh, for now, we are calling time on this week. We'll talk to you again next week. I think Kyle will be producing that one. We're just going to give him some files because he comes back on Tuesday. So it's like, welcome, right. welcome back. Edit this. Right. Eat your, eat your files, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Take a big chomp of your files, dork. <clears throat> hey. We just we just went wild here, okay? We just left all our fans and ACs on. I don't care what your noise gate settings are. Who gives a shit? Good luck, Kato. <laughs> Ren yelled and cried for six consecutive minutes. You cut around that, but also leave a little bit of it in. There was a good bit in the middle of it. Just, like, duck the crying. But get the bit. Yeah. Come on, Kato. So look, look forward to that. Uh, but until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.